Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me mad. And then, and then everything that you had to pay like 800 bucks for dude, back in the day, it's all dude, on your phone. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything's Don't even phone. get me started. <laughs> we spent thousands of dollars in the 80s on gear that like your smartphone does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's annoying. Yeah. I want to punch you young people. <laughs> <laughs> we have it made and we're like, yeah, we can't figure nothing out. Yeah. <laughs> we click one button. Yeah. And then it's all done for us. Yeah. And like auto tune, auto tune on vocals. It's like, I want, when I hear songs, I can hear it. I'm just like, no, just sing it. Yeah. That's why, like, a lot of time when I listen to, um, um, like, someone, like, someone, like, oh, check out this band. I always check them out live because, and that's even kind of tricky, too, because a lot of people have, like, playback or they right. have double tracking and stuff right. like that. But you have to, I always try to try to find their live stuff first. So, because anyone really can sound good, good in the studio. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I always, I always thought that, too, like, with music, it's like, some people could be, like, good recording artists. And that's, like, almost like a different thing than being a performance artist. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can appreciate each. You mm-hmm. just don't pretend to be one when you're the other. Yeah. You know? 100%. All right. Hi everyone, this is Anthony here with Interviews with Everyday People. This is episode, I always do this, episode 8? No, that was Andy, because I was listening oh, to him in the car. I took you. a bump, apparently I'm a manager, or a ref. Oh yeah? No. Or a ref. Oh. In your conversation yeah, last yeah, time. Yeah, I was either a, a ref yeah, we or made, a manager. Yeah, so we do a wrestling show called uh, Tornado Tornado Tag, and we talk. So we do the interview, then we do like the, a mixed martial arts channel, then we do a professional wrestling one, and that's kind of like my friends get involved. We do like a live show on the internet, and we kind of talk about uh-huh. the new stuff that's going on. So we said, what would Nikolai be if this is – because now we're not doing Tornado Tag. It's more me and Andy doing a one-on-one match. And we're like, well, Nikolai would have to be the ref because he's tiny and he would take one of those bumps <laughs> and then he falls down for eight hours. But, yeah, um, we're sitting here with Michael Ban, um, a f- photographer, uh, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, which I've come to learn. You've done a little bit of everything with music, photography, uh, a comic book, which is really, really cool. Uh, yeah, wait, I, I didn't show you this yet, but this is uh, a whole comic book based on the old Jim Thorpe prison. Wait, I feel like my mom told me well, something it's about that. It's set in Jim Thorpe. It's set yeah. in Jim Thorpe, yeah. yeah. Okay. Also, also remind me a little bit when we get back to that. I'll tell you my Jim Thorpe story. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're here uh, talk, talking to him, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna learn a little bit about you and about how you're getting into this. Um, but just just uh, kind of forgot my place there for a second. <laughs> um, yeah. So just before we get into that, I just want to do a quick plugs. Um, this week we have. Tornado Tag coming up on Thursday. Obviously, none of that would matters because by the time this airs on Friday, it'll be over. Um, so <laughs> check out those episodes and everything else coming up on the channel. A lot of cool interviews coming up next month as well. But uh, So here we are with, with Michael, Nikolai, and Ben's here. But Ben, I'm already, I'm sorry. We're, all right, Ben's muted. We're good. <laughs> More importantly, Ben brought some righteous jerky. Though. Yes, that's, Ben that's Ben, really ben is becoming the beef jerky guy. Every <laughs> guest, he has a bag of beef jerky. Last last interview um, before Andy was, uh, you didn't bring Andy beef jerky. I know. I, I'm going to tell I'm him. Slipping. He's going to be upset. Um, but yeah, we had the, the Bushcraft guys on. They, uh, they, they're Cole Cracker Bushcraft. They're from Monty City, Dan Wowak. He, he did a lot of cool stuff with like survival training. He has his own school. Oh, yeah, so we interviewed him, and then Ben brought them beef jerky. <laughs> I think he was trying to play into the audience there a little bit, trying to get some brownie points. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, you're, you're, you're a local photographer, correct? Yes. Uh, uh, in, in School County, where were you born and raised? Like pretty much where you, where you grew up? Um, my family was, well, let's... My father's family was from Gerardville. Mm-hmm. My mother's family was from a patch that doesn't exist anymore um, between Monterey City and Shenandoah called Jackson's, I believe. Jackson's? Jackson's. And when they... Uh, is that where the coal married, hole is now? Like, I'm pretty sure. There's yeah. a couple of communities that don't exist anymore that were like in that same general area mm-hmm. like by uh, where the Saint Nick Breaker was like yeah. back there. Um, when they finally got married, uh, they moved to uh, Ellen Gown, which is still there. And 
right on the edge of like not having you know survived yeah um and then somewhere right around late 60s when my grandparents died uh my dad and my mom moved us down to uh, the fountain springs area okay so i was born and raised you know in the area um from about 69 or so i was there um and then i guess in the late 90s i migrated down to uh the harrisburg area for a while i was working down there okay and, um, now, growing up, did you always have a, a passion for photography or anything like that? or was... You know, it's really interesting. Um, and there's a little bit of a story with this. Like, I don't know if you notice, like, with my photography, um, you'll see the name Devil Bliss associated yes. with it. When I was a kid, my father manufactured um, lawn ornaments for your for your lawn, uh, statues. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you, if you wanted, like, an urn or a birdbath or a jockey or a deer for your lawn, he made them locally. And with this, um, he not only made them, but he, he painted them. Mm-hmm. So he, he literally would, you know, we'd, one of my jobs when I was a kid, I'd paint them white you know, for the base coat. He'd come in with a real fine airbrush and do the detail work, to, you know, to paint these things. And I always loved that creation process. I always loved seeing him do that. And really early on, I, you know, I was into art, but it turns out that I wasn't as good of doing things with my hands and like a paintbrush mm-hmm. or pencil. So I've always had this like need to do something visually, creatively, but I really couldn't connect my motor ability. Even though like I can do things with music, I just couldn't quite get out of my hands what I would like to see with my eyes, mm-hmm. what was in my head. And uh, photography kind of stepped in and was like, it was a way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, be it like taking just like interesting photo of something, or later manipulating it in a way that was bizarre and like had that artistic quality to it. Yeah. What was your What was your uh, your moment where it was kind of like where it clicked where like maybe like for me I always enjoyed like photography it might it may, maybe put me on the map a little bit but obviously um, like Maxim magazines play like my first time I seen a playboy I was like this is kind of cool but it's like it's like risque but it's artsy but it's kind of like I, I so that was like my first take in like magazines and obviously like mad like mad uh, mad magazine with more of the Australian illustrators mm-hmm. so I was always very drawn to magazines growing up I never took that route. Did you did you have that same like the wrestling magazines too? I always use the like and I was one I didn't read the articles. I looked I was more fascinated by the photos cuz a photo can tell more than an article can sometimes, mm-hmm. oh, you know? Yeah. So did you did you have that moment ever where you had like a magazine that stood out you're like this I can do something like this? Um I think two things that happened and you know, really as far as like paint up is concerned, like the type of things that we have in the magazine, the publication. Um with my father when he was painting these ornaments, he would use an airbrush to do the painting. And to teach himself how to do this, he bought how-to books. Mm-hmm. So you're talking. This is he probably got into it in the in the 60s. Um, I used to find in the house some of his early instructional books on how to airbrush, mm-hmm. but they weren't how to airbrush a statue. It wasn't. This is how you make it look like Saint Jude or you know mm-hmm. Jesus. It was. This is how you paint a, a pinup model, and it had examples in it of all the great early pinup art that was done by airbrush artists before they really became like photocentric was guys painting them like if you remember like old calendars or um even some of the early publications like esquire mm-hmm. it wasn't a photo of a girl on a bikini or a negligee it was a it was a painting yeah mm-hmm. so his books had examples of that work in it and that was the thing that really like you know i mean there wasn't like playboy magazines laying around there wasn't like right. you know mom's lingerie catalogs that came later um, but I'd see these books on my dad's and there's these like you know gorgeous women and like they were they were airbrushed mm-hmm. so it was the need to do that or to want to like you know the appreciation and wanting to like get into that and then realizing you can't do it with 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 an airbrush or a brush um that kind of sparked it that yeah. was the thing yeah. and 
what was interesting was uh, a few years ago when the magazine really kicked in um, imagine if you had this this you know your, your interview with everyday people got massive imagine you had like a massive following right I guarantee you you'd start getting phone calls and people would show up at your door or start to talk to you at the bar about some great idea they have yeah. about a show they want to do send it around them and with the magazine when it really kicked in that kind of happened to me as a photographer I started getting um, a lot of inquiry and contact from people under the guise of wanting my creative work photographically but the reality was they just wanted to get to me as the publisher mm -hmm. if they wanted me to publish their work yeah mm -hmm. so four or five years ago no, even longer, um, probably closer to like eight years now, it got to be so bad that I basically decided I have to go into hiding as a photographer. Wow. I developed an alias. I became Victor Devil Bliss because I didn't want somebody to find my work as the publisher yeah. and go through that whole routine. If I had this, this alternate identity and a model or whoever contacted me about work, I knew it was based on the work. Yeah. It wasn't based mm -hmm. on that other that other connection it's very, that's, that's an interesting take so wow. so the actual yeah. name devil bliss became uh came to be because my dad's airbrush guns when he was when he was a painter um there was two different ones that he'd use one was called the pache which is like for the fine detail work but then there's the other big one which was um very similar to like what a car uh, an auto body shop would use to paint yeah. a car the company name was deville bliss or deville bis yeah and like when i was a kid i used to botch it and say devil bliss so when I decided on an alias, it's kind of like a bit of an homage to my dad and the connection to Pimp. It became Devil Bliss. That's awesome. I just thought yeah. it was super rock really and roll cool. when you said, like, I heard Devil Bliss, I'm like, that was awesome. Like, um, we get to have, like, a cool logo with, like, a devil. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. yeah. I, the, I, when I, like, looking at, looking, think for me anyway, and why I'm really gravitated to your work, and I like, I really, really like what you do, is I'm I'm very into the pinup style. That's personally one of my favorites. I forgot to bring it down, so when we end, remind me. Um, I'm also really into comic books. So recently, maybe, which, Ben could probably give me a time date on this, but I'm really into DC Comics. So what they just recently did is they did a whole comic line called The Bombshells. Oh, get where out. they took, like, like Wonder Woman, Batwoman, Poison, pretty much all the women from that generation, and it's World War II, so all the he superheroes have to go over and fight, or they have to go over and do their thing, so now the females have to step up and be heroes, and e all the artwork and all the heroes are all redone in, like, pinup style. That's so cool. The only one who didn't go is Batman, but he's not wearing his cowl, he's like a World War II Dick Tracy detective, okay. and he literally just wears, like, a top hat and big trench coat. That's cool. Yeah, it's a yeah. whole comic line. So I've always been really drawn to the pinup style. Like, like it just like every time they like you watch a TV show and like we're doing a contest where it's pinup. I'm like I'm always in. I I just <laughs> I love that whole st the history of the pinup, like the World War II and and getting into it. Um, nice. Oh, Ben has a picture. Yeah, yeah. so that's the Wonder Woman. You yes. can do it. Yeah. Um, another cool pinup fact I didn't realize. I I, I realized this much much later because I me and my wife are really really big Lucille Ball fans. Mm. So before she became this comic or this household name as a TV show, she actually did pinup model work during World War II, and she was in all those magazines that used that went over, like not World War II, but she was a pinup, and all that stuff went overseas for the troops and stuff like that. So she actually started off as a pinup model. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them did. A lot yep. of actresses, and yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so that that the whole pinup thing is is cool. So that that's kind of where you got your direction is the the books and stuff, and you and you got into that. Um, so how did you how did you go about you know getting your first equipment and getting this whole company started? Well, it was a transition from doing other types of photography. I mean, from the point um, I really got the bug in in high school mm -hmm. um, down in Lawrence School, they had a full dark room. 
Yeah, hmm. photo- North Schuylkill is very, very big with, they have a photography class. They have a mm-hmm. dark room, and it's something that it is a curriculum they teach. They still have it? You know? Yes. Yeah. From what, when I was cool. in high school, it was still, I went to North School for two years. I'm originally from Monterey, but I went there to play soccer. I kind of used a fake address. Um, but oh, I Lots of people do. Yep. So I went there for two years, and then my real house actually caught fire and burned down in Monte City. So I had to go back, and we didn't know where we were going to live the whole night. It was crazy. But I remember that being a big thing at North School. But like, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to get in the photography class. Oh, yeah. 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 It, was, it was great because, like, I, my last year of school, I did nothing but, like, took tech shop classes, and I took photography, and at the time, uh, the teacher's name was Joe Nolter, mm-hmm. and he was awesome. I mean, he was just a great guy, and in fact, my... From Monty City. Was he? Yeah. Okay. When my father passed away, my fa- I was, like, 15, my dad passed away, and, like, there was a number of teachers in that school that kind of, like, I would have to say they looked out for me. They did things, like, like, they really took an interest in making sure that I didn't, like, you know, lose my, my rudder. Mm-hmm. if you will and uh, when I took all these shop classes every one of them were fantastic as far as like really enabling me to do what I want to do my last year of school and uh, Joe was fantastic with us in that it wasn't just photography I mean he also he also did a, a class on like printing like we actually used type like physical type like laid out like you know something you're going to print and, and do these things he had a lot of um, knowledge and techniques with uh, the graphic arts so in addition to just photography, he taught us a bunch of stuff that you could do with a camera and film that was otherworldly. Like, we did things with um, masking. Like, uh, you take a bunch of pictures and you want to put them together, right? In a computer now, we know what it is. It's like, well, I take this and I put it on there and I erase what I don't like. To do that in the old days was a bitch. Excuse me, it was a real bitch. And he taught us a bunch of stuff that um, wasn't just taking photos. And he showed that you can do a lot of things with these tools that was beyond just snapping that shutter and, and that's what you have. Mm-hmm. So he, he also was like a real big, um, you know, impetus to like travel down that road. So that really got me like, you know, into it. I did it as a hobby. Um, and then later, oh, I worked in a supermarket for like four or five years out of high school over in Monty City. And then the old I, Acme or Bilo or whatever, what's now torn down? No, the one that used to be the A&P, I guess. The one that's right in uh, center market. Right by the high rise? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think it's called Augustus it's now. Augustus now. Yeah. Augustus, that's yeah. funny because actually when I was in high school, I I live in hometown in Tamaqua, and oh, yeah, I worked at Augustus, yeah, sure. until they closed. It's 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 an interesting thing, but like I worked there and like, mm, God, I don't know how many years after that, my niece who lived in Monty City started working there too, and eventually ended up marrying Jimmy Augusti. So okay. that's she's one of the owners of that, and they also have the ANC Catering now too. Yeah, you know down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually really just can I can I make an aside? Can I make a detour? Absolutely. Sure. Can I curse? Absolutely. Okay. So I was over at the store the one day, and I'm having flashbacks. You know, I mean, I go over plenty, but for some reason we ended up walking up to the to the second floor. And my niece and her, her kids were with her. And I was talking to the boy, uh, Tavia, and I was like, it's like, yeah, you know, when I was working here, man, like sometimes in the winter, they used to make me go out and plow that parking lot with this push plow. It had little wheels on it, like a blade, and like, it was like a shovel on wheels, and you had to like push, I had to push the snow off the lot. Yeah. I'm like bitching about it. So we like walk up to the third floor, and there it is, it's sitting there. But there it is, that fucking thing. I'm like screaming because I'm like having this like flashback after I had just told him about it. And he's like, "Wow, it wasn't no, it was no joke." Yeah. But you know, that's that's a billion years ago. So I'm working there for a while. I'm into music. I'm in bands. I'm doing like home recording, and recording recording artists. And uh, the store that I was like buying all my gear from in Minersville, uh, Terrace Music Center, um, it got to be 
right about the point like some technology started to change like with music you know up until about like the 70s or so you had like a guitar you had your bass you had your drums and then technology started to like catch up with musical instruments and synthesizers and different things started to like really transform so there's a lot of different things going on as far as like technology where um you know an interface was developed that could let stuff talk to each other and things mm -hmm. were happening that were like really you know it was like at the beginning of like uh you know new wave and all that stuff was really kicking in and you know, pop music from the 80s and i was buying some of this gear and using it and i got like really i don't know i got so into it that be that it became like i knew more about the stuff than they did and the day finally came where i'm talking to the owner he's like you know i'm like asking him questions about like some equipment that i want to buy and he's like just like i don't know and he's <laughs> like and he finally says he's like would you ever consider working here part-time like to help us with this because we have other people asking about it and I don't know anybody that knows as much as you would you consider working here and I'm like sure why not and so I started working part-time work my day job and I go down there in the evenings and it didn't take too too long where they were finally like could you just work here all the time and you know do this and I'm like sure let's go you know after a couple months I'm like actually running the place and in time we finally like you know expanded into a couple more stores so what was interesting was through that whole experience, you know, you have to realize music was my first love, right? Recording, working on songs, that was that was me. Photography was like the extra thing that I did. Mm -hmm. And what happens, you know, and this is a dangerous thing, if, if you think about something that you love to do and you think, God, if I could do that as my job, it would be awesome. Maybe. But sometimes there's a there's a dark side to that too. There's a there's a negative component to it where if you immerse yourself in that thing so much twenty four seven and you're not in complete control you could burn out on it and you could you could actually start to resent it and after working for like you know four or five years doing music nothing but music all day long seeing guys in the mall that's now done and you're, you're on your free time and you're off and like yeah i was thinking about this guitar and like they're talking to you like you never it never leaves you mm -hmm. and all day long you're hearing noise you're hearing people play sweet child of mine badly for the six thousandth time and you're just bitter and you want to punch somebody. Like that movie, Wayne's World, the sign that they have, like, no stairway to heaven. Yeah. No joke. We used to joke about that. Like, we saw the movie where, like, somebody who was in a music store co-wrote this because yeah. we know their pain. Like, it was that bad. I, I, I even remember once um, I was humming a song to the guy that I worked with down in the Harrisburg shop. He was, like, a total mullet-having metal guy, right? I'm humming this song, and he's like, he's like, I didn't think you'd listen to Metallica. I'm like, I don't. And he's like, you just like hum their one song like perfectly. I'm like, because I hear it here all day long. You know, I, I know it because I hear these kids playing it yeah. badly. So the thing it is, when you have sound and you're immersed in sound and noise and all that stuff so much, you need a different hobby. You need a different release. And like, it sounds ironic, but like you love music and get in the music business to be around it. But then you get done your day and you go home and you're like, I can't take listening to even the TV. Mm -hmm. And what became my... Uh, my balance was to get more heavily back into photography. I started doing things with photography that were, um, again, graphic, sort of graphic arts based. This is before computers, so it was like literally, I have a camera and that's about it. So what I started to do was, um, you know, taking images and photos and doing things with them that were down that path of like uh, altering them with traditional techniques, mm -hmm. masking to composite things, um, hand tinting. Like a good for instance is, say this uh, CD cover. That was a photo of, a, of some mannequins in a car. I think I burned it with a torch to get this happening over here. I think I painted it with like an ink pen, like a silver ink pen. This was tinted with some photographic tints. You know, you couldn't take that photo back in the day, back then without a computer. 
um, you'd have to make something like that using traditional techniques. Mm-hmm. So I started doing like a bunch of stuff like that. It was literally my release. And what got interesting was, as I started doing this bizarre ass shit, um, some people that would see it, they would say like, wow, that's really cool. Like you should try to do like a gallery show or you know do this or that or the next thing. And one day, um, some friends of mine, this new label started, and they're like, you should really check out this label. They have music like you would like. And one of them happened to say, they're like, you should really send them some of your photography. I think the photography would look great as like CD covers. So like, I'm like, sure, why not? You know, and I took like, you know, a stack of 100 photos, rammed it into an envelope, sent them a letter, you know, out to California. And within about two weeks, I got a phone call from the owner of the company. He's like, yeah, I got your package. Cause he's like, he's a little bit of a stoner. He's like, yeah, I got your package. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. And we can totally, let's do something. And, you know, he's like talking to me about like what they'll do for me. And I'm like, sure, great. Let's, I'm in, I'm in. And within about two months, I started getting CDs in my mail with like my photography on it. So what happens with this is, you know, and I don't like ban photos while I'm in the music store because, mm-hmm. you know, you got a camera, you take pictures for guys, do my favor. And when I started getting this stuff like on these CDs and like being released and like sometimes there's like bands that people recognize their names, it became a situation where almost like being in the public for magazine, for some reason, the guys in the music business thought, oh, he's connected. If I get him to do my photos, it'll help me, right? By association, you know, benefits you. Like if you could have, you know, Elon Musk come here tonight, <laughs> that helps you. Yeah. Right? So they, they had this perception that like, yeah, you know, by association, if you align yourself with somebody who's doing something, you know, all boats in the harbor get raised as well. So it got to be that I started doing like lots of band photography. I had guys like seeking me out and it got to the point where there was a moment that I really had so little time for my own pursuits that in order to kind of like dissuade people from like tasking me, I started raising my prices thinking it would make it like slow down. But then it got like, like the married woman with the ring at the bar, like guys, for some reason, they're like, they want to like talk her up. Mm-hmm. It got, it got possibly worse. You know, it didn't slow it down. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, I did lots of cool stuff through that whole period. Um, my tenure in the music industry, you know, folded. I end up down in Washington, DC and I'm working for the government, uh, doing things that I can't exactly talk about. I was with Homeland Security, but I worked with a company for a time and, um, worked with a woman and, she ended up, she ended up moving on and working with um, uh, Madeline Albright, our former Secretary of State. And one day, because we had worked together, um, she calls me and she's like, "You, you, sh- you do photography, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, "We need somebody to cover an event. Um, it's on K Street and it's with Madame Albright and these other people." I'm like, "When?" And she's like, "She tells me." And I'm like, "Let me see if I can get the time." And so, I got off and I started doing that kind of stuff. You know, I got in with them, and right there, as soon as you're at that meeting. And you're amidst, again, proximity. You're amidst all these people and you're doing a job. Uh, your name starts to get passed around. So, you know, you do a decent enough job that you're not a schmuck. You're polite. You're presentable. You get your, you get them their product. You solve their problem. Basically, it's problem solving. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be like mediocre at most things. But if you're, if you're amiable and pleasant and, and quick and it's easy, people will, will patronize your business. Yes. So... I got plugged in that way. You know, my name started getting passed around and it was a situation where, um, you know, in addition to my day job, I was doing lots of events in DC, sometimes on Capitol Hill, sometimes at an event for, oh, I started doing tons of work for Macy's, um, lots of events at their store down there. And that was as a result of my name being passed to them from a friend of mine, you know, that does it a lot for them up in New York City. 
Um, so I transitioned from doing bands, creative work for CDs, and then I'm like in DC shooting, you know, politicians and, and events, you know, for, for people like that. All along the way, there's been like, you know, doing stuff for families, you know, weddings, this and that. Um, when I finally got back into, into this area, the magazine was in full force and I was kind of connected to that, to that world. So it was a natural that, you know, I could uh, kind of segue into it. Mm-hmm. You know, bottom line is if tomorrow, you know, shooting dogs for families was where it's at, I could do that too. And I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be into it enough. Yeah. You know, it's always a matter of like what, you know, what's, what's, what's happening. What was, uh, what was you probably like to date, one of your favorite, like most favorite or favorite, uh, shot, shot, photo, photo shoots you've ever done? As far as the output or as far as the just possible uniqueness of the shoot? Uniqueness and just for you that you got more enjoyed out, enjoyment out of it because you thought it was a fun, like a good time, like it was something okay. kind of... Two, two definitely stick out. Let's go with the oldest one first. Um, how I got hooked up with Macy's. My friend Kent Miller, Kent Miller Studios in New York City. Um, actually, he and I are going to be doing a podcast in a couple weeks. Awesome. Um, he does a lot with Macy's, so much that... Um, there's different departments and sometimes one hand doesn't know what the other is doing and he called he sends me a message to the one and he's like what are you doing on these dates and i'm like well i'm working he's like could you could you do a shoot for me up here i'm like what's what's up what do you got and he's like well they already hired me for like some stuff with the parade for the macy's parade and he's like and i'm booked and they're asking me to do like an event out on long island with, with paris holton you know she has like some new fragrance out and this is one like she was kind of like more of a household name mm-hmm. right He's like, she has some new fragrance out, and it's an event on Long Island, and they want me to cover it, but I can't because I'm over here with the other team. He's like, could you come up and do it? And he's like, actually, then she's in Philly the next day at the old Wanamaker's, you know, their, their flagship store down there. And he's like, it's, it's two days in a row. I'm like, well, let me see if I can get the time off. So I situated it with work. I'm going to go shoot Paris Hilton. Yeah. And he, he's yeah. Like, <laughs> Bye. He's, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, you know, he gives me the information. He puts me in touch with them, and I go up and I do this thing. Now, the thing here, again, is, like I said just a second ago about problem solving all right for him up there he is a fantastic photographer he's very personable he's a great guy he was in my band for a while mm-hmm. and we're brothers and i could see why he's successful because he solves people's problems you know he gets it done he's good he gets it done and his situation is this here he is with one of his biggest accounts and they love him because it's a no-brainer it's like taking a car to a shop and you know it's going to get done and you're not going to get raped and he can't solve their problem for this second day because he's solving the problem for somebody simultaneously else. somewhere else mm-hmm. in the same organization. So what happens is if you have business like that and you can't do that job, they go to the next guy on the list. Now, if that next guy on the list does a really great job and also solves that problem really well, you got to wonder, you got to worry, at what point do they call that second guy on the list first and start calling him first more? Mm-hmm. It's a simple matter of protecting what you have business-wise, what you've developed. And he knew by hiring me, I wasn't going to go in there and start handing them business cards looking to get their business. I wasn't going to slice him, you know, yeah. basically trying to get his business. I was paid by them, so I was effectively hired by them, but he, he situated in almost like a subcontractor situation. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do that and help him out. Kind of like warded off any like new talent coming in and usurping his territory. But the thing about the events that were kind of interesting... Um, Paris was really kind of like in the news a bunch, you know, scandals, etc. Um, was before or after the tape? After. After. I well, c- she didn't get fam- really famous, I think, after the tape came out. I think right. the tape put her over. Yeah. 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 And the thing of it was, that kind of fame, I, I have no use for. 
and I kind of wanted to hate her. I kind of wanted to hate her. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like her her fame and what she represented as far as what's being valued in our society. It annoyed me, mm-hmm. okay, as a person. But it's a job. So the thing is, you learn something. Um, it was really telling. Um, the event in Long Island was actually kind of like a big deal. She was so hot at the moment that they had like a like a stage area set up, and I was with Macy's, so I could go anywhere I wanted to, right? A bunch of people from the press were there too. They were like walled off. There's like this like barrier where like all here's all you know. There's NBC. There's like you know Daily News. There's like all these like media guys with cameras, press passes. And I'm like walking like past where they can go because I'm from Macy's capturing the event. I'm not there to, you know, uh, scandalize her or, or catch her doing something stupid. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the event and she gets in and she does her thing. And afterwards she has like a meet and greet with fans and she's signing autographs. And the thing of it was, she was really nice to everybody. She was like, you could just see in her face, she was enjoying the moment. She loved meeting these people, whether they be uh, an executive with a company or some bus driver who just showed up. She was so nice to everybody. And then as she was like exiting for the day, um, I saw her like talking with other people that were like workers at that store. And she was like really nice to them. Like she was just so pleasant that I was kind of like, oh, she's not really like an arrogant rich kid asshole Mm -hmm. that did this thing and she's famous now. So, you know, fast forward like to the next day. So I'm in Philadelphia. And it was the same security team that was at the day before. So I see a bunch of the same guys. And like my day job was working with Homeland Security. So like, you know, I'm around Marines all the time and like all these things. And we're talking shop about some of the stuff that was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, the event starts. And they actually had, I think, a bigger crowd in Philadelphia than they had in, uh, in New York. Wow. And the place was pretty packed. And the thing that got really, really interesting to me was... One of the security guards, um, he comes up to me at some point, and he does one of those deals like where you know you want to talk to somebody, but you don't want anybody else to know that you're talking possibly about them. So like on the sly, he's like, he comes over to me, and he's like, um, we want you to get some photos of somebody in the crowd, somebody specific. We want a bunch of photos of this person. We're, we're kind of concerned. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, well, eventually, take a look out. She's, she's about the center of the pack and about the center from left to right. There's a woman that we, we were, we're cautious about. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, um, yeah. He's like, okay, take a look. And I'm like, all right. I'm scanning. He's like, all right, you see that nun? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we've been watching her and something just feels funny. And I'm like, yeah, what's a nun doing here? At Paris Hilton's fragrance launch. And... She looked late middle-aged, maybe in her 50s or so, and she didn't look fat, which means the way she looked made her look like she was expecting, which is another weird thing, right? A nun who looked like she's possibly pregnant. And their whole concern was, and I I immediately kind of got it, I'm like, what she got under that robe? What's, you know, is she going to pull something here? Like, what's the deal? And like, that's what they were concerned about. They wanted a lot of photos of her to make sure that, you know, they had documentation as to, to what was going on. And uh, so it was funny to see this. It's like, I think in the security detail, there's probably about like 10 guys. And they're spread out, you know, big store. But at the point that this woman started to get close to the dais in, in Paris, and she's like ready to like meet her and shake her hand and get her autograph, 
all those guys were like creeping in tighter. Like I could just I could just see them coming in tighter. And the nun gets up in front of her and like she just wanted an autograph. I mean she like literally like was like a fan. But it was a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Like to have a security guy like ask me like yeah take a picture of this nun because we're kind of concerned that she's gonna like <laughs> throw a bucket of blood on on Paris. But the finish of that event too. She stayed for everybody that wanted an autograph, and was plugged in again. And when it really comes down to what I said about like uh, learning something, it was a reminder that you shouldn't just assume things about people. Because as I kind of like talked to some other folks and 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 watch what had happened, it kind of dawned on me that she's probably one of those those people who are just in an extraordinary situation and set of circumstances that you actually have to ask yourself, how would you act in those situations? 100%. You know, mm-hmm. you, you know, you could you could say to yourself, like, oh, I could never be, like, this way or that way. Like, I could never kill somebody. Yeah, well, you know what? If, like, like say Katrina during New, or- you know, New Orleans during Katrina, the looting and the rioting, people, like, for survival, stealing things. You think, oh, I could never do that. You don't know. You don't yeah. know until mm-hmm. you're, like, pushed. So you, you don't know where you're... That's kind of the main... One of our main premises here for our show is that, you know, people are quick to like we try to stay away from the celebrity side but we do respect the fact that there come up stories and stuff like that but just your everyday person like we we, people are quick to judge other people like oh this guy's kind of weird or this person's kind of weird if you take five minutes and just kind of like how you did you didn't even really meet or talk to her you kind of just perceived her yeah out of of her own element and you're like wow she's a lot more there's more to that than i think and just like a good example like like a justin bieber everyone's like that kid's such a a douchebag like, could you imagine being 14 years old and almost being worth a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you couldn't give a 14-year-old kid in the street a hundred bucks, and he would, he would act like a psychopath. You have a <laughs> 14 year, year yeah. You have a, <laughs> I, I mean, I was a kid at one time, and I was with a friend, and he stole money from his grandmother, and we didn't know, and he took us to the mall for a shopping spree. Now we were 11, like 10, 11 years old, and we have a couple hundred bucks. We what? We were crazy. We went absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like we yeah. had no sense. Now, could you imagine me and Beaver, and you're worth a couple billion? Like I that's, can cut, that's just it. You I can understand. You can't. You can't, ima- you can't even put yourself in issues. Right? Yeah, you can't even. Fathom it's almost it. an impossibility to even try and consider. It. Mm-hmm. So it was a humbling experience for me to say, like, yeah, you can't. You can't take. More and more, I'm kind of cynical. Like if people tell me things about situations or other people, unless I know it to be fact, or I can like authenticate it myself and prove it, basically. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. very skeptical of things. Like I won't just form an opinion based on one or two people telling me something i'm the same way because it's just it's just bad news Mm -hmm. you know but the second the second interesting photo shoot the one that i really enjoyed the most with the publication um and it's actually kind of like a similar thing now i didn't have a negative uh opinion of this person going in but interacting with them really showed you so much more we had um i guess this was in about 20 2011 2012 in one of the issues i had a model that we printed and her name was Claire Sinclair. And like a couple months later, somebody had contacted me about featuring her as like a cover model. And I was just like, oh my God, I hate this conversation. Because it was like Fight Club. I mean, if you wanted to talk to me, like if you even said the word cover, you were gone. You were like, you didn't even have a chance at like being on the cover of this thing. It just it was one of those things. You just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I decide, mm-hmm. don't, don't try and like push in front of the line. And these people had contacted me about featuring her. And I was like, ah, you know, they said the wrong thing. And I was just kind of like, well, this is how I do it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was nice. It was polite. But we just kind of like, we kind of left it at that. And I went about my way. So then somebody pointed out to me, like, you know, they were like talking about her. And they go, oh, I saw Claire Sinclair in the last issue. And that's amazing. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it was a half page. I'm like, yeah, she was cute. You know, it was a nice shot. 
I'm a photographer right now. I'm like, you know, she's like, they just named her Playmate of the Year. And I'm like, really? I'm like, I did not know this. And I was like, that's really bizarre. So I start to like watch her presence a little bit, you know, on social media. And I was like, wow, she's actually doing some stuff. She's like on some kind of TV show. She was dating one of Hefner's, you know, kids. And uh, they named her Playmate of the Year. I was like, well, shit, you know, that would have been cool to have her on the cover. Like, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the people I was talking to. And thankfully, I didn't burn the bridge. And I got back in touch with her. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if it would even be possible now. Like, she may have restrictions on what she can do with this title. Right. But we'd love to, you know, talk again about possibly doing this. And they got like right back to me and like, oh, that'd be great. You know, let's 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 set something up. So uh, she was also working with a clothing company you know, out there called Betty Page Clothing. And their whole thing was that was their mascot. That was the, you know, their their uh, their their figurehead, if you will. Uh, they've since changed their name because I think they want to go more mainstream. But it was kind of like a big deal for a while. And she was doing some stuff with them where basically it came to be that we decided, all right, we're going to we're going to feature on the cover of an issue. We're going to have it shot. And it's going to be at one of their stores in Hollywood. So I'm always nervous about situations, at least back then when you're investing, you know, a couple thousand dollars on a few pallets of magazines. Agreeing to do a cover on something you've never seen is like just bad news. That's a roll of the dice. You could plan, you could plan, you could plan, and it's going to get screwed up because you're counting on it. It's only really advisable to like actually say, okay, this is a great image. Let's run this, right? shooting for it is a really risky thing so we had her we we're gonna shoot something new um, the photographer that she worked with a lot out there uh, was somebody that I worked with a lot with the location his name was Robert Alvarado great guy I started to talk to him and I said all right Robert you know this is what we want to do would you be on board to shoot this and he's like yeah cool and I'm like great I said this is where it's gonna be uh, do these dates work etc and he's like great let's let's make it happen so we arranged it we got the date set and everything else and because I was like a little, um, I won't say I was like a control freak, but I wanted to know that things were going to like Time go, with go this. down right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I basically said, I, I want to be part of the session. I'm going to fly out and assist. You know, creatively, I'm not going to get in your way. Like Robert and I had a good dialogue and a conversation where he knew I was going to be like, he, he knew what we did. I know what he does. It was, we're like, you know, people that understand each other. We had to really have that talk. But we had a couple details. You know, I wanted to go out anyway. I thought it would be good from the standpoint of, you know, some PR as well. We actually shot some video of, of the day. Uh, my nephew was living out there at the time. He uh, he went to art school at the University of Pittsburgh, and he was a okay. video, video editor out there. So I had him and his, his wife come out, and we shot, some, um, we shot some video of the event. But what was really fascinating about this was, you know, she's just named, like, Playmate of the Year. She's, like, on this TV show with, I forget who the other gal was, uh, like a reality thing which was not really that good. But anyway, she was on TV. That's what's important, right? Being on TV, kids, that's important. Yeah. Not anymore, though. I mean, <laughs> oh, the right person click, it, yeah. Yeah, the right person clicks your YouTube page. I you mean, got more audience. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. But the thing it is, we're, we're doing this shoot. We're there a little bit early. We're getting the lay of the land. And she shows up by herself, like in sweatpants, looking just normal Joe. Like, she could have been anybody. Mm -hmm. She, like, took the bus to get there. Wow. No, like, entourage. No, like, handler. It was her. I'm like, wow, that's pretty ballsy, you know, like, mm -hmm. are you afraid of getting, like, tackled? We start the session, we're doing our thing, and, like, through the process, like, you're interacting with her. And just like with Paris Hilton, there wasn't an ounce of, like, superiority or ego or nothing with this girl. 
you could see instantly why so many people that had worked with her raved about her because she was pleasant. She was focused on doing a good job. She wasn't, it wasn't all about her. Like we literally got some food, um, you know, brought in just like to have something to eat, you know, like fruit and vegetables and nonsense. I don't really great hummus. I'm with hummus. Anyway, we had to stuff that in and like, she's totally like helping clean up afterwards. She's helping like rearrange it in the store when we got done. And she's a Playboy Playmate. Playmate of the year. Yeah, right. Playmate of the year. Totally cool. Yeah. And like as she's interacting with everybody, she was just so like, she was just like so normal. And it was like very refreshing. And it was, again, one of those things where your opinion about them like just elevated tenfold because of how they were as a person. Like there was no, um, there was no attitude. Mm-hmm. And it was just, again, one of those things where like you can't just assume like, you can't just assume because she made this great achievement of being, you know, the, the playmate of the year that she fought or clawed to get it or was like a real jerk or, you know what I mean? She just did the right things. She's just like truly deserving of it. And yeah. what's really interesting is like a couple of years later, um, she started, she had a show at the Stratosphere called uh, Pinup actually. And it ran for quite a while and it was, got highly rated. And I had seen several times people online um, had been to the show and afterwards they would have like a, like a meet and greet. I see these photos of people I knew like standing next to her and I would just comment wasn't she awesome and they would always reply oh my god she was so great and I even had a, a really bizarre situation too when they were when we were shooting uh, she and the makeup artist were talking about everything she's talking about like uh, some other show that she had just done and um, uh, zodiac signs was like a big thing with the show so she's talking with everybody their zodiac signs and you know, um, she she mentions how Hefner and his son were both like Aries, and I'm like, well, I'm an Aries too, and she's like, I can see that, and like we're talking, and as we're going, the two of them start to talk about Starburst fruit chews, right? And like they're going nuts. They're like talking about different flavors and like specialty flavors, and like they're really like getting into this. Like people at a Star Trek convention talk about the clock. <laughs> I mean, it was really a little unsettling. That was like the most weird thing. So a few years after this, some friends of mine were going to some kind of like. Uh, convention in Vegas for like um, like lingerie like a lingerie convention right they have every convention in Vegas yeah everything's there <laughs> everything but Claire Sinclair was going to be at this thing so my friends were like you know these guys they're like yeah we want to stop and, and, and meet her do you still have her like her number to like let her know we're going to be I'm like no I'm like and you're not going to do that I said but I'll tell you this bring if your, you go bring your Starburst mm-hmm. get a bag of Starburst fruit juice to give to her so like couple weeks after they went to this thing and my, my one my one buddy got gets back he's he's like he's like dude he's like we're there and we're in line and we're like 10 or 12 deep and i brought a bag of starburst fruit juice and i pulled it out and he's like she saw it and she came back she came back to where we were to say hello and start talking to us when she realized it was for her yeah and he's like it was a total score yeah so then they got to talk but again it was just one of those things where like you know you never know if she's going to remember that, or like, mm-hmm. but it was it was totally the right thing to do. Yeah, hundred percent. So that that's that's kind of something that we we were talking about too, um, with with our team and our podcast here is like, I mean, if if we were ever to get big or anything like that, it's not something we're striving for. It's more or less we just I enjoy meeting people, talking to people, finding out their stories. I love I love people's come up stories or you know how they where they where they were to where they end. I I like hearing the whole process. I like when people obviously I meet people and they they've gone through some stuff and that those stories help other people when they hear it get through it as well. Totally. It's like therapy. Totally. Um, 
So I always tell people, I said, if you're doing something like this and you're putting yourself out there, especially with social media, Facebook, Twitter, the whole nine, when you leave that scenario, you kind of have to put yourself in a mindset that the eyes are always going to be on you. And if you go out and you act like an idiot in a bar or you act like an idiot somewhere, like that's going to ruin your reputation as a person and it's going to mm-hmm. ruin your reputation for a show, like if you're doing this. So people are not going to, especially if I'm doing something where I'm expecting people to be forthcoming and tell me stories and then someone sees me outside of here and I'm acting like an idiot like I'm not going to him to talk about my personal situation like that's something that you bringing that up it very resonates how you know how some of your most fond experiences you've done a lot of photography and a lot of things your fondest experience is just people you know just being themselves and and and, and carrying themselves with a demeanor that that's for, for it's lasting it that impression lasts yeah yeah a little bit of respect goes a long way I was actually just thinking about it uh, today like I have nothing major, but I have some some things that I need to do that I need, you know, I, I won't say that I need help with, mm-hmm. but help would be good. Right? Yeah, 100%. And what was interesting was I was literally thinking about it because, like, I'm, I'm doing some things and, like, people are like, oh, well, I could do this for you or I could help you with that. And I'm thinking, like, wow, you know, I got a lot of really great people around me who are always supportive and they're there. And I thought about it and I thought in, in the reverse context, the, the whole idea of, like, paying it forward. And I thought to myself, like, Wow, so this is this is a result of also being there for them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of situations where, like, when I have these people that like are there for me, I think back to like, oh yeah, I remember that time I gave them a ride or did this with that or helped them with this. It's so easy to do, and the the the, the payback is astronomical. I think it actually is like is it seems it feels like more if you don't expect it. If you if you help people and you do for people and you don't expect anything in return, you just do it for the for the goodwill. Mm-hmm. Um, one day it does come back on you. It does come back on you in a, in a great way, and it's like sometimes you really need it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes yeah. it's a it's a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just just kind of humble yourself a little bit and just do things for because of the right thing to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, just from uh, you know from the magazine, if I definitely recommend people to pick them up, they're they're phenomenal. Um. When you go to locations, like say you walk into a supermarket or you walk into like a rundown building, or you're like, do you kind of look around like this would be a cool place to shoot? Like, do you ever does that happen to you oh, a yeah. lot? Where you're you're always yeah. scoping, you're like, this is cool, I like this, I like that. It's it's just a constant, it's a constant thing. Sometimes yeah. something will strike you in a certain way, and you're just like, oh, this is, this is this is a great thing. This this would be awesome. Yeah, it just it's just an innate thing. It's like keeping your balance. You know? Have you ever had a, a, a situation where you went to a location and you're like, this is really cool. And you're like, would I be, would you ever approach someone like, would I be able to come back here and do this or do that? Oh, that whole thing is a fine art. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to like, you know, property and, and, and just perceptions. And I think a great example is, um, you guys, have you ever been to Jerry's auto, auto, auto museum in Pottsville? I have not. No. It is a cool place. I, I hadn't been there myself until like just a few years ago, and I was blown away. It's like it's not like it's a, just a car museum, you know. They've got a lot of different rooms, and it's like it's almost like it's an antique mall where they put everything together that belonged together. And you have these little rooms that are like almost like little, you know, uh, uh, dioramas of like something stuck in time. Mm-hmm. Like this is the little kitchen. This is the little you know soda shop. This is it's like little mini uh, dioramas. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So, you know, I'm trying to talk to the owner. And, you know, you can't just, like, call him directly. And I'm, like, leaving messages with the people at the desk. I'm walking down, asking them, you know, to have them contact me. And it never goes anywhere. And interestingly enough, I was doing a car shoot at an airport, at the, at the Zerby Airport this past summer. 
and I had a couple of guys with cars that like kind of like bailed out at the last minute. I was like looking for some more vehicles, and uh, uh, a friend of mine from the area, you know, he saw me make a post looking for cars, and he's like, "Have you tried? Have you tried Jerry's?" I'm like, "So no, I, I've never been able to connect with him." And he's like, "Well, I'm, I'm friends with him. Let me, I'll, I'll contact him first, and I'll get you his number." So I had that introduction, mm-hmm. right? Somebody that this person knew, who was respectable, reputable, wasn't a jerk, calling on my behalf, saying, "Hey, he's he's a friend of mine. Would you, you know, be able to do something?" He wasn't able to do anything, but I made that connection. I made the phone call. So, what was interesting was, I'm like talking to him about his place, and I said about you know possibly doing something there, and immediately he shut me down. He's like, "No." He's like, "You know, we've had some photographers in before." And they ran roughshod over the museum. They did things and they made assumptions as far as what their liberties could be and things that they could do. And they pretty much gave him a bad taste in his mouth, kind of ruined it. And I told him, I'm like, I totally get it. I totally understand. I'm like, I've done these things in these different, you know, museums or businesses. And I fully, I get what you're talking about. And it was, it was actually ironic because um, I even said to him, um, I had just finished this thing in Pottsville where I did like a free family portrait day where um, I have a photographer friend who does it down in Lebanon and I've seen it for years where he just opens the studio for the day and if you're family and you don't have a lot of money and you don't have like good photos of your family, you just come in and he takes your picture and you get your photos. Right? That's awesome. Totally like a total goodwill thing. Yeah, there's some marketing to it, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't make anything on it. He takes his day, does this thing. And I always thought that was really cool. So uh, this past year... I, I kind of like wanted to do it too. And I asked him like, Hey, would you mind if I, if I do that too? And he's like, no, he said, please. He's like, let's start a movement. You know, there's like a free family photo day everywhere. So I, I said, yeah, let's do it. So I picked the day, advertise for it that I'm going to, you know, just, just come in, you know, just um, I'll take a couple pictures, a couple minutes. You'll get them. They'll be online. They're yours. Actually, um, uh, Kellyanne Olosky, uh, she came down and helped out. She was running interference for me that day. Like I had a couple helpers that were there mm-hmm. as we were doing this. You know, she thought it was a cool idea, and she came down. And the thing that killed me was, here you are, and you open your doors, and you do something for somebody for free like this. And some of the families came in with, like, a bunch of kids, and there was no discipline. They're jumping on furniture that I have there. They're dragging stuff off the racks, like equipment that I have or props. And, like, the parents are immune to, like, maybe suggesting that they shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave me just like this bad taste in my mouth. I was just like, oh my God, seriously? This is the last time I do this. Yeah, yeah. right. So when I was talking to, to Jerry from Jerry's, I was like, you know, I, I, re- I reiterate this, right? And as we're talking, as we're talking about business in Pottsville, the point came where he's like, he's like, you know, it's like maybe if you guys could just come in and like, you know, walk in and, and do photos, he's like, that'd be okay. He's like, but as far as like dragging a bunch of stuff and doing makeup and hair here and me having clothes for the day. He's like, if you could work around it being opened, come down anytime you want. Now, so it's, it's the aspect of being able to have a situation like this where you communicate with somebody and you can understand what their concerns are and really empathize with, with their position and share with them things where they start to realize, like, wow, they understand. And within the course of a 30-minute conversation, I think he got enough between having this friend in common who kind of vouched for me and hearing my own tales of woe, he he knew I experienced it myself on my end, and I think he became convinced that I would be respectful in his space, mm-hmm. and he gave me the invitation. Now you you have a studio on Possible, correct? Yeah. 
Is it called Devil Bliss Studios? Yeah, it's, it's that. It's also band photography. So yeah. yeah. So I when I was searching, we went to uh, a venue in in Pottsville, which we went there um, called Culture to Culture. That um, it's like the Conversation Cafe. So it shares a parking lot with the um, uh, the Crimson House. It's the old Storyer's factory, like the the door on the side street there. Oh, really? So literally what they do is kind of similar to this where they have like a scenario. So like this Friday, their thing's going to be um, grandparents raising kids. And people just come in. And a, a lot of it is like people that are recovering or going through stuff. And it's kind of like a place for them to go and talk. The night we went, it was about what is church. So and so when I was looking for the location, I seen Devil Bliss. You know, I mean, like it we're came in the other up corner. On, yeah, we're, we're very near the other corner. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. he has a studio here. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, but that's so it's another cool thing. If I, I'm really, really happy with the way Pottsville are doing things. Like business wise, they're they're doing really cool things for the community. They have the right people backing it. Like Pottsville, I feel like in the next couple of years, that's gonna that's gonna boom again. If um if I'm not mistaken, the thing that they had at the Majestic Theater a couple months ago, they brought in some people from uh, Jim Thorpe and New Hope, I believe, and some other uh, communities that have had success in revitalization. Um, and I I remember reading about it in the paper where they were talking how um, all of these people were sort of like suggesting that the city of Possible don't do some big halo project like develop a, a this or that to like bring bring people. Um, their their suggestion was that it has to be more spread approach with a lot of different things not just one and i agree with this because if you put all your eggs in that one basket and it fails you're kind of screwed yeah it's it um, just the foot traffic like people walk down the street the main street of pottsville and 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 that foot traffic helps um it does the only thing that that i wish the the populace of the downtown could get through their heads is that they're ambassadors to visitors yeah and i've had clients of mine coming from distances like it was actually funny when i was talking to jerry he he'll drop immediately that it's you know his his museum is the second biggest tourist attraction in Pottsville after Yingling. Mm-hmm. And I I said to him I said yeah and I said you know I think statistically I'm probably the third largest draw for out of the area traffic because most of my clients come from an hour plus away mm-hmm. sometimes two hours away sometimes people flying from Texas wow. opposed to people from Texas in my place I've had people come from Illinois all right there's people that travel great distances to work with different artists and for for my studio. I don't have local clients. It's it's people that come from out of the area. So mm-hmm. I said to him, I'm like, yeah, most of the people that come come to my place are like, they're from like you know hours and hours away, and they're staying at the Ramada, they're shopping at the thrift stores, they're going to the various restaurants. Um, in fact, one of my clients came in from New York City a couple months ago. They stayed at the Ramada and uh, they're out walking to go to dinner, and uh, they're outside the Crimson House actually, and they're looking, they're inspecting it, and there was a girl standing in the front, and you know they're like. I guess they started to talk to her, and she kind of figured out that they weren't from the area. She says, well, where are you from? And they're like, oh, we're from New York. We're, we're doing a photo shoot tomorrow. And she goes, oh, down at the Devil with Studios. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And I said, describe the girl to me. And oh, real pretty blonde hair. I'm like, that was probably Kendra, Kendra Fulton. And I said, I get my hair cut by her, and she's Kendra's amazing. She's well-versed in what goes on down there. So. Yes, Kendra's phenomenal. Yeah. And if they were right by the Crimson House, either she was there outside having a quick smoke, <laughs> or she was probably on like our break and getting a bite from from, from heaven and earth. Yeah, it would have been later at night, so I think it was probably oh, she was out herself. Yep. Yeah, I hang out with Steve and Kendra all the time. That's like that's like my second family. I love them so much. Yeah, they're good people. Oh yeah, I I used to sell stuff to Steve's dad. Like before um he he took over the store. Yeah. Um, uh, his dad uh, Darren used yep. to be a customer of mine, and like when I realized that um uh, you know Darren picked up the pieces when Terrace Music folded, I was excited. I was sad to see that he passed at a young age. Yeah. 
but good to see that like you know uh, Steve Hazard. In fact, I went in there one day and I was like looking at the drumstick display. I'm like, I remember when we built this. I remember the hot glue gun or the the caulking gun sticking these pieces of pipe in here. Yeah. I saw I saw a counter. I'm like, I remember this counter. I cleaned this counter six thousand times. You that's know, awesome. It was funny, but that's the thing with Pottsville, right? They need other things to bring people from out of the area. Now, one rumor that I had heard that got me excited was that a local business with money was thinking about building an event space. Now, when the when the Frackville Mall folded and you had that theater that was so nice that went away, where do you go now to watch a movie? I love that theater. Really? I would, like I I literally oh, I shed a tear walking out of like I knew that was the last time I was going to be in that mall and I got emotional. So so right now, where do you go to watch a movie? I don't. You can't. You have to get in your car and drive. I won't go to Hazleton yeah. because I think Regal they that the, the, the theater's destroyed in Regal and I think the people of Hazleton don't know what they have and they don't take care of what's there. Right. And and I it's mean, it's, it's tough for me. Uh, Bloomsburg is very nice. Yeah. I personally I drive to Music. To Cinemark? No way. Yeah. Wow. Just because they have these big leather seats that recline on that kind and of thing. And all other leather. It, it's wonderful. Yeah. To, like, just well, experience. So, so there's the thing. It's like you see in the paper how um, was it the parking deck? They're, parking they're going to do the a theater, theater there. Yeah. Right. They're going to theater. And like, I was bummed out when I heard that because what I was hopeful for was like I don't know if you guys have ever been up to uh, Penn's Peak outside yeah. Jim Thorpe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw a show there last uh, on Cinco de Mayo. I saw the Mavericks of all things. And I was in the parking lot walking in, looking at the license plates, right? I'm seeing New Jersey, New York, Delaware, mm-hmm. Maryland. And I'm thinking to myself, all these people traveled here to see this band because it was like the closest opportunity for them. Some of them probably, you got some water coming your way. Thank you, man. Um, some of them probably stopped to eat somewhere in Carbon County. Some mm-hmm. of them may have stayed at one of the inns in Carbon or Lehigh, Lehigh. Um, some of them may have gone shopping in Jim Thorpe and said, oh my God, I got to come back here with my family on the weekend. It's beautiful to walk around right. Jim Thorpe. Yeah. The historic area is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So the thing of it is with Pottsville, Yingling is a draw. 100%. There's not a second reason to come to Pottsville. As of right now, no. You need something to keep them there a little bit longer and something something else that would possibly bring them in mm-hmm. general. Because restaurant wise, they have good food oh. there. It's it's a haven for some restaurants. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to uh, the big shop six or whatever their name is um the artisanal baker that's down there right now no i get i have some snobby friends when it comes to food and culture um that nothing is good is as good as it is in new york city and soho or oh, i hate that George, right? you you don't have pizza to your new <laughs> yeah, york pizza right. stop it I've, I've had i will put new york pizza up to test against half these mom and pops google county italian restaurants like francesco's Vito, all these places like that they yeah. can rival well, you, you know it's interesting what you just said right there is actually kind of cool because I've had some of these very people and I take them into that bag shop and they'll get something and they actually speak of it in superlative terms. Like they're shocked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this couple that Kendra ran into, um, they come back fairly regularly. Um, they finally were there on a day when the, when the place was open and they took my recommendation on a couple of things and they got like these different things. And like the last time I saw them, they're like, oh, I can't wait to go and get some more of that bread or this or that because it was that good. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And similarly too, um, Roma, fantastic! Big, big props for Roma. I've been in there with lots of my clients, and ever since they remodeled it, remodeled it, it's presentable. I mean, the food's been always good, but there's something about when you present it in a way that looks appealing, and on top of it, you have the one-two punch of like it looks great and it's also excellent, right? Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people in there from New York and Philly who talk it up. I have a client from uh, Texas who's been in there two or three times now that she's been up, 
And I, I vividly recall her saying the second time, she's like, I want to get that pizza that I had last time. And she described it. She's like, I've had dreams about it since I've had it. Cause <laughs> I've never had it exactly like that again. And then they get the bill. And they're like, is this right? Yeah. Because I had one girl from New York City. She's like, we had like a couple salads. G- gigantic mm. salads would feed all of us right now. And the bill came. And it was like $30. And she's like, she couldn't. She thought it was wrong. She's, yeah. She's taking a picture of the bill and posting it online to her New York buddies. I can't believe, you know, we just I, ate for this amount of money. I had friends who came from New York. Um, he's he's a he's him and his him and his uh, his girl are, are very they're up and coming musicians in the area, and we're really good friends. And they came out, and we went to dinner, we went to a movie, and we went bowling. And he said, I came home from that night. He goes, Yo, because that a night like that in New York City, that's my paycheck. Hundred bucks. That's <laughs> like for till next paycheck, I'm tapped. He goes, I came home and I still was good for the next three or four days, and then I took him to Knobles. And they're like, yeah. this. I'm like, like no pay in a parking. Like you, like they walk right in. Yeah. These heads explode. Who are used to going to like Great Adventure, and it's you have to finance parking, mm-hmm. right? And then like everything else. Oh, you want a piece of paper around that straw? That's another dollar. You know. It's, yep. Knobles is amazing to people. Yeah, that's, so I'm yeah. very, very proud of where I'm from, and I, I love it. Like obviously we do have our our low spots and stuff, but. It's like if, if, like I always said, if I ever hit the lottery, I'd hide for a little bit because everybody would know. But I would, I wouldn't leave this area. Like I just, I, I have a passion for it. And like, and I always grew up on the other side of the mountain. So I'm Monty City, Shenandoah, Brackville. And then when I, I just started going to the Pottsville area, and I'm like, oh my god, this place is like compared to what I'm used to. This, like, this has so much potential. Right. Like, well, what you just said right there is something that I wish collectively, as a community, people would get behind. Because the one thing when we start, we start to talk about Pottsville. And I mentioned the downtown and the people that that live within the downtown. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of them there that have absolutely zero pride. Yeah, there's a negative pride. Like I can't tell you. And if anybody from Pottsville that has done this is listening to me right now, come and meet me because I want to slap you. <laughs> <laughs> I find trash places that I can see where there's a trash receptacle. I mean, the city has a trash bin that yeah. they empty regularly, and you're too lazy to walk 30 feet. To properly dispose of that thing you just threw underground. Yep. Like, a person wouldn't have to know anything about Gears Ice Tea to know that they're the most popular beverage in Pottsville. All you gotta do is look down at the yep. sink. And the they're, time. they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I actually have a Gears Ice Tea tattoo. That's fine. It's yeah. not on the ground. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's why I love this area. Like, just speaking of other stuff, like in Pottsville, like obviously the wheels getting really big recognition, really cool yeah. stuff there. Um, the bars, like the bar scene there is really cool. They have a lot of cool spaces for people to go. Like the 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 Greystone's a cool place, mm-hmm. like good, good food. Um, I, I love them to death. The Farlow Subs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my. If, if you don't eat a Farlow Sub and then the next day you're like, can we go back there? Because, A, you're, <laughs> the price you're spending. And then the meats and the bread are phenomenal. Like That, that New York uh, client I have, her, her, her husband and their friend went down there. And I said, "Oh, you're gonna be you're gonna be kind of pleasantly shocked." Yeah, yeah. I like when people walk in and they say, "Is it happens all the time?" You'll be like, "Oh, you want a half or a full?" And I was like, "Well, how big's a half?" And they go, "This." And they and they go, "How big's a full?" And they just like this, yeah. <laughs> like and like and you're like, "I'll take a half." <laughs> and then you have that one guy, "I could eat a full." No, you can. <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're cool people. Like there's like that. There's so much going on in that area that it just I it excites me. I hope more and more business starts popping up in there. If we could just get one or two, like I said, other things to get people from out of the area. Yeah. I mean that's that's really where it's at. Because all we're doing right now is if it's just local things, other than the brewery tour. Yep. You're just shuffling money around that's already here. Mm-hmm. You need those things to bring it in. Like if you take a, a town like Jim Thorpe, like I remember Jim Thorpe when I was a kid. When I was a kid, my mom used to take us. Uh, on bus trips to New York City to see shows and stuff. And 
the bus would go like from Mahanoy City. We'd, we'd pick it up at where they used to have the newsstand, and we'd go down like 309 or whatever, and we'd like snake through some of those stops on the way to Allentown to get finally escape. Yep. We would go through Jim Thorpe. And I always remember as a kid, like, coming around that corner and seeing these, like, buildings and the architecture, and like, wow, this is like a really strange place and interesting. And back then, it was like any other coal region town where all the facades were, like, plastered over with, like, vinyl siding or tacky aluminum siding and, like, the, the beauty of it was hidden behind 70s salvation stuff, right, mm-hmm. to keep it. And then something occurred, I guess it was in the late 70s or into the 80s, there was um, some kind of, like, Main Street program came about. I don't know whose idea it was, but at the time when, like, malls were destroying small towns and the small towns were becoming skeleton, like, like meth people with, like, you know, the teeth falling out because mm-hmm. there's no activity and buildings are falling down because there's no money. The Main Street program came in and basically gave incentives to people to start businesses in the downtown areas again. Yeah. And what happened with Jim Thorpe was they had the, the benefit of some natural attractions. Like, I don't know if you remember or even have ever heard of this, but when I was really young and we would go through there, there used to be guys would get on the top of that one hill where, the, where Flagstaff is and jump off of that thing with hang gliders. Would be on, you could go through that area and see like these guys in the sky with these hang gliders floating down to the Lehigh River, right? So then eventually, somebody says like, "Hey, you know what? This river is kind of like navigable as far as like having like rafting mm-hmm. or, or kayaking." And they started a service where you could where you could do that on the river. People start to come, and then it transcends and it becomes like, "Well, let's do some like mountain biking because we have a lot of these great hills and it's you know there's some." There's old railroad beds that they could ride on. And hiking right? trails. Hiking trails. So you had these natural draws that started getting some people in from out of the area to come. And after that happens, they need some place to eat. They need some place to stay. And you have the seed is planted where then Mom and pop shops. the hospitality industry mm-hmm. has something to, to, to cater to. Yep. And you start to have this sort of thing. And then piece by piece by piece, they, they polish the crown. And it is what it is today after a lot of years of those little things coming together, but it's like my brother. My brother loves railroading. He'll 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 drive from where he lives to go down to like Port Clinton to get on the train to travel back almost to where he lives in Jim Thorpe to go back down to Port Clinton to pick up his car to go home just to ride on these trains. I've never did a train ride. It's cool. It's I, I, cool. I want to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so the thing it is, it's like, you know, he'll say to me, it's like, well, why can't possible do something like that? I'm like, there isn't that natural thing. They built the train. They remodeled the train station and if don't they, use it. If if they like like if the Reading Northern or whoever does those excursions, if they could more routinely, because they'll come in there sometimes with the electric with the electric um, um, powered uh, engines, um, if they could get that more regularly happening. Mm-hmm. But then like with Jim Thorpe, when somebody goes there on the train, they spend like a couple hours in the town. They could go to a shop. They could go to a museum. Mm-hmm. They could do this and that. And possibly you got the brewery tour. And maybe you get lunch. Yeah. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. So we need something beyond, you know, another restaurant, um, another smoke shop or check cashing place. We need something that's uh, a reason for people to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that. And even like if you can get a – if they can even open the train stations and be like, hey, you can take a train from Pottsville to New York City or Pottsville to Philly yeah. or Pottsville to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. that would be huge. Mm-hmm. That would be big for people Like and, and, and run that a little more regularly. That I mean, that's a mecca right there too yeah. because our area is known for that history, known for the coal mine, known for the tracks, and it would be a cool way of transportation that I think would come back and be popular again. And I mean, honestly, like going to New York for like acting stuff, 
if I were to take a train, I'd still have to drive to like Allentown or like Wilkes-Barre or something mm-hmm. just to get on board. But if I had to travel like 20 minutes to right. come different, here different. from Tamaqua, yeah. I'd be more happy to take the train than driving to Jersey like I do and then take a bus from the mall to actually get into the city and stuff mm-hmm. just because. Yeah. Hopefully the right people yeah. hear this. We. A lot of there's a few people that are on the downtown committee that are friends of our show and they they listen and they 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 do like that we 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 give them a little bit of credit there but yeah there's a lot of cool stuff going. Um, oh, absolutely. Compared to any other town in the county. Yeah. Pottsville's a big city. Very good segue here since we're talking about Jim Thorpe. Your uh, your book here the the Victorian the Victorian horrors of Old Chunk. Yes. Um, how did this come about? That started because. Back in 2001. Real quick, though, who did the art? Is this your drawing or? No, that was a gentleman I hired who was somewhere in Singapore. Um, <laughs> that was contracted out to like I basically used an agency that matched me up with an artist that could handle the work. The art is really good. is awesome. You know, it kills me because uh, and I, I have, have the ads. Oh, there's funny stories with those. Um, <laughs> I have a second issue, almost like it's in the can. It's almost ready to go, but I never released it for funding reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art with that one was even better, I thought. Um, the whole thing with the book itself he's came comic, to be... He's my comic book guy. I see. Yeah. <laughs> you ever, have you ever been to Jim Thorpe? Yes, I have. Okay. I want you to grade it when you get like halfway and a little bit further. You're going to have some like aha moments, and I want to hear you. I mean, I'll hear you make noise over there, okay? <laughs> like you just been into awesome jerky. Um, the thing that happened with what, why that started, um, I ended up spending like a week in Jim Thorpe. Okay, so I'm like from the area. I live here. Mm-hmm. I live... I can drive the Jim Thorpe like now and probably yeah. still catch coffee somewhere. <laughs> but at the time I'm living in Washington DC and I had just gotten married and my now ex wife, I brought her to Jim Thorpe a few times and she loved it. And where I was working with the security company, um, we were doing some really good business. We we're getting a lot of contracts. I was on the business proposal team where uh, or business development team where we were going after new work and we were doing a good job. And we were bringing in some some big new accounts. Like when I started with them, I think we were doing like about $53 million a year in, in business doing physical security at lots of government sites, um, courthouse, like federal courthouses, uh, Department of Justice, you know, things like that. We'd, we'd have the guards outside. We went after and got a lot of new business. We took it from like 50 some million to 240. And the owner of the company who like his office is like across the hall from me. Somehow I like ended up like across the hall from the guy that owned the thing. Mm-hmm. And I would like handle his personal like photography and shit, like printing things and helping him with shit. And uh, we had a couple good contract wins that he being a really cool dude was like, everybody gets, everybody in these teams gets a bonus of a week's paid vacation anywhere they want to go. Right. So my ex-wife and I, we like picked like San Francisco. Why to go to San Francisco? Hadn't been there reading about it, seeing it. I'd love to do San Fran, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got this, like, week's vacation plan in San Francisco. And then these terrorists fly airplanes into, like, the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and out into a field in Pennsylvania. And air traffic is halted, like, right when we would have had to been, like, going to this thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was kind of like what happened at the time was the company was like, well, you know, well, obviously we have to postpone this. You know, we'll we'll pick it up whenever. But things in D.C. at that point were kind of chaotic, and for us, given what we did, it was even more so. Um, we were absolutely overwhelmed with requests for additional security. We were scrambling hard, like to fill the need of the the emergency response, let's say. And even my ex-wife, she actually spent some. She was a sheriff. She spent some time at the the Pentagon while they were still like in triage when they were like kind of like cleaning up. She mm-hmm. she donated her time as a police officer to stand guard outside that thing. And 
so basically we we said uh well you know we could just do something local you know just give us some money we'll go someplace local that we can drive and i said to her i'm like well, what do you want to do and she's like can we go to gym floor for the week i'm like i live like 30 minutes from there but <laughs> okay yeah cool so we stayed at a bed and breakfast you know i visited my family a couple of days because i was living in dc it's like I was like three hours to drive up and see them and say hello. Yeah. So I see them a little bit. But we're basically doing things in and around Jim Thorpe. And the one night, this was like in the fall, like after 9-11 September, we are there like in like early October. I'm like, I'm kind of like anxious and I couldn't sleep. So I get up and it's like late. And I just go out for like a walk. And the moon wasn't full, but it was close. And it was, it was the kind of autumn night where you could smell it. You could smell it in the air. You could hear the rustle of the, of, the, of the leaves that were still, you know, on the trees turning. In the distance, you could hear the river. And the way the light looked bouncing off the buildings. And I'm, like, walking around at these Victorian homes and Victorian, you know, edifices. And um, in the town, there's, like, this, um, this staircase that goes down from the one high street, uh, Stone Alley, or whatever it's actually called. And then it comes down by the international order of oddfellows hall like right in the main downtown mm-hmm. it's a narrow creepy staircase it's creepy in the daylight and as i'm coming down it at night and it's like so dark i just had this overwhelming feeling of like being in some kind of like horror movie like <laughs> something was gonna kill me something was gonna rip my <laughs> jugular out of my neck and suck out my blood and that was it it just had this feel of being on a horror set and i thought jesus this would be a great setting for like a horror movie and i literally I, I, I kind of like envisioned like seeing a movie. I just thought, wow, it'd be great if they made a movie here, set here. And I've always been kind of like into like alternate history kind of things. And uh, uh, there were some books that were like coming out at the time that were kind of like in a steampunk genre that were really like fascinating to me and I loved. And I thought, wow, that'd be great to do here. Uh-huh. And what really kind of like sunk in was like I thought well what do you do do you like write a book like how do you how do you get Hollywood convinced they should do something and one of the things that um, I'd been seeing more and more were movies based on comic books based on comic books and it's I'm like huge <laughs> it's a bit of an interesting you know it, it totally hit me I'm like oh my god I get this if you think about it the comic book is it's a storyboard you have your panels that show the story it's a script you got some dialogue on there and it's also a test market if the concept is good and people are interested in the concept that you had and you tried it out and you prove that there's interest, Hollywood will listen to you a whole lot quicker than if you just went to them and said, I got this great idea, right? You have to pre-prove it. You have to prove that there's some value to this thing. So that's how that began. And what's why there's only one of them sitting right there right now is the story, the concept is still pretty viable. Like I have friends that have B and B's there that have have the book and they show it to people that come in from like the cities and like it probably doesn't go like one or two months where my friend Sheila from uh, the Gilded Cupid she'll say yeah so we had some people stay here and they're with a production company you know, on on Broadway and they saw this and they thought what a great idea or mm-hmm. these people weren't from California and they saw this and they thought what a great idea right there's some validity to it. Um, the thing that we did was the test market all right Jim Thorpe gets a lot of foot traffic from out of the area their numbers as far as like people come from like New York and Philly like every weekend is pretty phenomenal now at the same point in time that it occurred to me yeah you've got these comic books becoming movies there's also this other phenomenon that happens where sometimes movies cause you want to call it media tourism like 
when the movie uh, Blair Witch Project came out. Everybody went to Maryland. Everybody's look, looking in Maryland trying mm-hmm. to find this place. Yep. Even though they filmed it like somewhere like by Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right? Idiots. It's happened with a lot of films. Um, Mystic Pizza. Dawn of um, the, well, it's actually kind of bumming that Dawn, it, of, the, Dawn yeah. of the Dead, but if you go there now, no one even knows that it happened. Really? They don't care. Like they have no. Like That's amazing. So I it, so I work for a school, and all the time I have to call one of our schools are in Monroeville. And every time I hear Monroeville, I I just think that's like the birthplace of zombies. Like if you're into like if you love zombies, yeah, and you don't kind of no. give the credit yeah. that yeah. Monroeville, Pittsburgh, is the birthplace of the zombie genre. Like Night of the Living Dead was shot maybe a two hours or an hour, not even from Monroeville. Then they did Dawn of the Dead in the Monroeville Mall, and the Crazies I believe was shot in the Pittsburgh oh, really? area. Yeah, because George Romero did all of them there. Right. Um. And then I, I, I was so excited. I went to Monroe. I was like, I want to go to the mall. And it was Easter weekend, and I'm not super religious, and I didn't really know about it. So I was like, why is this mall closed on a Sunday? Like, we, we came all the way out. I went to go see Steel Panther. I was so oh excited. God. Yeah, I love Steel <laughs> Panther. I was all the way out in Pittsburgh to see them. I was like, on the way home, I'm going to stop. We're going to do the Monroeville Mall. I've been dying to do this mall for years. Easter Sunday. And I my my my, my I didn't know. And I was so – I was in the parking lot just like – you're like like yeah. the Griswolds outside. Yeah, the park. I was so disappointed. I was like, so I wanted I want to definitely get there. But like when I was in the area and I was talking to people, I was like googling like, is there like a, a museum? Is there any? And like, there's one thing in the town. But for the most part, like they said, all the stuff that was in the mall is gone. They don't like when the people that work there don't even really remember that that a movie was shot there. The ice skating rink is gone in the, from the movie. Like, and then they end up shooting it. more more people know about that. Zack and Marie make a porno was shot there than than Dawn of the Dead. The true real history. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah that's, well, and that's the thing. It's like, like what what you just said right there. Like how you were dialed into that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that kind of like struck me with this. I thought there is a there is a ready made group of people who already have an affinity for this town. You give them something else that they could latch onto, mm-hmm. like a make believe sort of thing. Like imagine all the con- the the cons like like Star Trek or this or that. Like people that like want to live. This 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 um, piece of media that they're that they're attached to, yeah. and I thought, what better place to give me that springboard to prove to Hollywood that it's viable? Because there's already people that love the town. Yeah. If I could tie it in with something that a lot of people feel when they're there, like it has something of a presence. There's something about the the environment there that, like, I'm not even super spiritual, and yet there's something about it that kind of like messes with me. Mm-hmm. What gets me with that town is is. Um... I'm, I was pretty much, I mean, I ha- I'm a mixed pot, just like the rest of us with different nationalities and stuff, but um, I was most, mostly raised Italian-Irish, you know, and especially with, like, the I- Italian and the Irish, uh, you know, being heavily, and, and, and going through Jim Thorpe, and I, and I hear, like, it's such an Irish town, but it always wasn't. Like, that prison, mm-hmm. like, Irish men were led to their death because they were Irish. Mm-hmm. Like, the Irish no need apply. Yeah, like, right. like, that was was a big deal in that town so when you yeah. walk through you're thinking like how much how much italian uh, how much irish blood was spilled here because all they wanted was rights you know mm-hmm. what i mean like so you know like how a lot of people like down south obviously the the african-american rights like that was happening up north in a different way in a different yeah. way you know what it i mean like it wasn't blatant slavery but in a way there was slavery. yeah like yeah. either work in the mine and then to the day you can't do it then your family's homeless like it was crazy something yeah. and, and all they wanted was different rights some of them went about it the wrong way but i mean when you're pushed up against the wall you gotta fight that's the irish way you fight you know what i mean like you just don't take it's that the human way yeah, yeah the human way but it's like a, it's at what point you break it yeah and and yeah you know, and just it, so when I go through uh, Jim Thorpe, I get that a lot. Like that's my big vibe. Like especially when I, when I I've done the prison tour so many times, and I I walk through and I'm thinking, man, like mm-hmm. it's just sad. 
and like it was it was so um like it was expect like people paid money like rich people paid money like tickets like a movie to watch people hang mm-hmm. and then yeah. and then when they and then when they hung them they didn't hang them so their neck broke and they died instantly they purposely made the ropes the right length so they suffocated like some of those people and they didn't put bags on their head more torturous yeah, yeah. yeah they they literally sat there and watched you know people die like suffocate it took them five, almost three to five minutes to die right. and people were there with their kids on their lap just like enjoying it and having a good time and they served meals like it was great like it's sick yeah it, and it, that's so like when i was there when i get there i kind of think like i i think about you know like where we've come as people and 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 like a culture and and you know i mean like your worker rights now there's oh, yeah. people who ha- had to be hung hang in that building for c- worker rights that have taken across across our, our country you know what I mean? And that was like the birthplace of it. Like so that's, that was one of the first, yeah, yeah. the real big labor movements. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was and it, and like I said, like a lot of cool stuff happened already. Like not cool stuff, but a lot of historical stuff happened already. Like that's why you know what I mean. Like I'm pr- like I'm kind of proud of that town that they're revitalizing, but and then and they they're not shying away from it either. Like hey, this is kind of what happened here. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And it educates people. Like you know what I mean? Like because you can you you can't learn from history so it doesn't happen again unless you unless you accept it and you know and you kind of put it out there like hey, this is what happened right you know what right. I mean but like that's what that's the big vibe I get but um I'll tell you my Jim Thorpe story quick so yes. um in high school uh I was me and my friends I'm sure they're gonna listen one day it was my Brett my friend Brett Welsh and John Bova and we would do anything we could to get out of schoolwork you know what <laughs> I mean especially if it came to writing a report me and John were in the same class so when the teacher said to us, you need to write local folklore, we need something folklore, whether it be a ghost, like, and it didn't have to be local either. It could have been just any folklore. It could have been like Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, Ghost, Demon, Chupacabra, Jersey Devil, you name it, if you could pick mm-hmm. it. And everyone picked the same thing. Like every, almost every class that came through, you seen on the wall, because you know how they hang up all the projects, there was a Jersey Devil, there was a Loch Ness Monster, there was a Bigfoot, there was some type of ghost story that happened somewhere, or the, the Winchester House was usually a big one. Um, and we're like, can we do local? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, can we go to a place and film it and not have to write the report and we can just play our film? And he's like, yeah. And this is before ghost hunting was on TV. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Yeah. So our, you, got, got, you had an A right yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. our, our friends had a parent that had video camera. I think it had like two batteries. So we, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Everybody carries a video camera now. Yeah. On the, in their ass pocket. Yeah. And phones. We didn't have phones, nothing like that. So. We we do our research and we come up with the Gordon Mountain ghost. Oh, where are you? Right, right, right. Yep. So we do the whole research and we go up there and we get some decent stuff and some weird things happen and we got really decent photos. Um, we took them photos to a, my friend Brett at the time. He was he was he was working and he was in in high school, so he took him to where he was working in Tamaqua um, to this guy and he's like. Like, how did you, how did you just get those? Like, he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I've been doing like this ghost research for years and we, like, there's people who've been doing this for years and they haven't gotten the, like some of the stuff you guys got. Like, I guess we had like a full body apparition. We had orbs. We had like really compelling things and it was on our video camera too. So he's like, would you be interested in doing another project? So we're like, yeah, we already That's got an A. I was gonna, like, you went to Gordon Mountain. Like, how yeah. does, I didn't go to Jim Thorpe. So he's like, can you do another project? He goes, normally people pay to go in there and do ghost research in that building. He goes, because you're high school kids, I could just tell them you'll go there and you'll help them. If, if you give them the building for the night, you can help, like you have to help winterize the building. 
So we literally walked around the building. We put the styrofoam things on, the winterizer for the winter, so no more tourists go in. We we did it for the whole, like, you know, we started at, like, 6 o'clock, and we got done, like, around dark, and the guy was pretty much like, here's the building. No you shit. can have it all night long. No shit. That's and awesome. we had a lot of weird things. Like, I... I went into I went in there to be very skeptical and and disprove things and say there was no such thing as ghosts and I I had some experiences that I try not to tell too many people because I don't want them to judge me thinking I'm just being crazy but I've seen stuff in there that I can't explain like I seen a person that mm -hmm. wasn't there oh man yeah like so in the upstairs I don't know, have you done the have you yeah. done a prison tour mm -hmm. so the very very upstairs changes changed a few times so at one point it was the warden's family who lived upstairs then it turned into like a rec room. Well, not much till much, much later turned to rec room. But then at one point, they had a few cells that were women's cells. And the women were just put in there for a couple of days, and then they were transported somewhere else. But when the women went there, it wasn't a good time for them because they're not in the books. They're not – they had no record that they're ever there. So things happened to those women. Oh, man. And sometimes they never made it out of that cell. Seriously? Yes. Um, and there's a there's a little rumor that there's a giant, I guess, hole in the in the in the yard – of the prison, and they said there's been, you know, they have stories where people were put down there and they were never found because it's like a giant open mine hole, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the stories too that a woman. So one of the medians, I guess, went through, and she she told this whole story about, you know, if people like. So we sat with this lady. She can, she said she was a median, and she talked to me, and she goes, "You have something," and I was like, "I don't want to hear anything." And she told me something about my my childhood that I didn't tell anybody that I seen something when I was younger, the whole nine. And I was like, all right, this lady creased me out. So when we got there, the guy was like, oh, the lady told me that one of you, and he, he put me on a little tour, a little test, and I passed the flying colors. Um, so he told me to check this couple cells, and he, he told me to do a lap around and find out what cells I thought were the creepiest or what I got a, a vibe from. Oh, interesting. So I walked up the stairs, I walked around the side, and right when I get to the, right before you turn the corner to go behind the gallows, I got this one really vibe, bad, weird vibe from the cell, and I it felt like cold air, like, felt cold air was literally blowing out, like someone had an AC in there, and I just had this, like, I guess I had this weird image that somebody was, like, holding onto the bar just staring at me. I just didn't feel welcome there. And I left. And I walked around, and I walked around another side, and I heard, like, crinkling, like paper crinkling. And I stopped for a second, I listened, and you could just hear crinkling. And I was like, all right, that cell. I, I didn't get a weird vibe, I just heard a weird noise. So I just kept moving, and I come downstairs, and it was, there was, three, it was four of us. So I go down, and the guy goes, so what cells? And I said, this cell, and I told exactly, and I said, this cell, because I heard crinkling. And our one friend goes, I'm done. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to the car. I'm not, I'm not doing this tonight. And he, he walked away. And we're like, what What do you mean? He goes, he goes, dude, he goes, he told us exactly what you are going to say before you came down. Not sure. And he said, the crinkling. And he goes, yeah, the crinkling noise is a, a, an inmate hung himself. And sometimes people hear his rope crinkling off the and I'm like that and I said we didn't even start yet I didn't even winterize the building yeah so then he kind of gave us a tour like a private tour and then he told us upstairs this is like the women's holding cell and he has mannequins everywhere so a mannequin can you know it, it, you walk and you oh yeah. all right that's just a mannequin I'm good so the women the one woman's cell has a mannequin in it so I'm in there doing the work and the guy who ran it was like, I'm not afraid of ghosts. Like, I don't think it's real. And, like, we seen a chair slide out. Like, he was sitting there telling, like, yeah, I don't believe in ghosts. And the chair went, Err. and we're like, and he just goes, anyway. <laughs> like, you're going to pretend that just didn't happen. Like, so, like, weird things happened. Yeah. So we're in there, and um, the, the women's cell has, and all the lights are on. So we're winterizing it. Everything's completely lit up. It's not dark. And I'm putting the, I put the one, you know, you had to put, you had to tie a string through a piece of styrofoam that was yeah. cut perfectly of the windows push the styrofoam through, and then you tie it onto a latch just to kind of keep the, the air from, you know what I mean? 
So then I go to do the second one, and when I go to pull it through, there's a mirror that's in between the two windows I'm working on that can perfectly see the two cells behind you. So I looked at the mirror, and I was like, oh, my God, that fucking mannequin got me again. And I'm just like, whatever. Now the mannequin's standing in the one cell, and the other cell doesn't have a mannequin. So I look in the mirror again. I'm like, I'm not. it's not bothering me. It's the mannequin just sitting on the bed. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at the mannequin with the, out of my peripheral as I'm doing the work, and I'm like, the mannequin was standing, not sitting on the bed. And it was literally in a full white, like, garb jumpsuit type material, and the mannequin had black hair, just like this woman. Like, so this woman is sitting on a bed, just and she just sitting down like this, and her hair is kind of like the grudge, like the best way I can describe it, with over her face. And then I'm watching, I'm like peripheral, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm like, man, that man, I'm like, I could have sworn that mannequin was standing. I didn't think they had another one in there, but I just thought, oh, it's just a mannequin. And then out of the peripheral, the head moved up like that. I didn't see a face, but I just physically, see, and I went, what? And I turned, there was no mannequin. I looked back in the mirror, and it was no, no thing, nothing was sitting on that bed. I took off. I was like, I'm done. It's pretty vivid. Yeah, yeah, it was creepy. It was so creepy. And then as we're walking around, I literally kept feeling like like I was being, like we. so I'm kind of, I guess, ballsy. So I would just walk around by myself, and I would just go into a cell. And close the door and sit there in complete darkness and not tell my friends where I was. Because if I was going to experience something, I was going to experience it. And I wasn't going in there like, I think I'm creeped out. Like, I kept I kept very cool. Like, And I literally had an experience. So we were in the basement, and there was always that rumor that there's um, the one – there's people always get on film or something like that, like a blue light that's supposed to protrude on the one thing in the basement. Because the old Jim Thorpe prison, they would take you, put you in the basement, strip you naked, track you to a wall, and just kick the shit out of you. And you would sit down there for months, days. That was kind of like their hole. Um, and he, the guy told us, he goes, go in any cell you want down there. Just don't go in this one. It's the only one I'm going to leave the light on. I get like, people get hurt on tours for some reason. Like they, like we just don't put people in there. I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, we won't go in there. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. We go downstairs and I was like, my, we're sta- I'm standing the, right by the gallows and I'm reading something and my camera light battery, keep, like the light keeps turning off. Like something's pushing the button and turning the light off. And I'm like, I swear to God, I turn it back on. I go, watch. And we just turn it back off. <laughs> and they're taking pictures of me. And every photo of me in this prison has this giant basketball light above my head, no matter where I went. And on the video ca- camera, every time I turned, it looked like dust. And it would just go and scatter. Oh, shit. Like the orbs, I guess, what people call them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. And so I'm like, I'm going down the dungeon real quick. Because if something's following me. I'm going to get whatever this this light is. We're going to get it. So I go running down the dungeon. I don't tell nobody. I go down the dungeon. As soon as I hit the stairs, it's a brand new battery. It's just low battery. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell? So I, po- I quit, take it out of my pocket. I put the fresh battery in. I turn it back on. Dead and man. I run down. It, it wasn't dead yet. So fresh, brand new battery. I run down the stairs. I get in. And I'm going, I'm going right for that cell. Like, that's where I'm going. So brand new, fresh battery. I turn the corner. And I literally, the camera, I go, this is the cell that we're not supposed to be in. I say it right on the camera. I said, I, and then there's a little tiny, like, candle light plugged in. I said, that's the light. And I said, these are the chains where, and I was kind of, like, telling the story of the prison for the school project while we're doing it. I said, these are the prisons, the chains where people were literally chied up and, and, and beaten. And, and as soon as I said it, the door closed, the light in the corner went off, and I'm by myself, and there are everyone on the second floor. And I'm like, I don't know where the door is. Because no. like I lost, I immediately lost all orientation, and I'm just sitting there, and like just it just literally felt like I was not by myself. The light, the hairs on my neck are standing up. I'm creeped out. My friends notice I'm not there, and they're screaming, "Tony!" Now the dun, this good thing the dungeon has like fl- like you could hear 
from the floor above you. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm downstairs. Like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm downstairs. They're like, you're in the dungeon? I was like, yeah. So they come running down, like, what room are you in? I'm like, the only one where the doors close. And they're like, <laughs> our flashlights are dying. I'm like, yeah, that's what just happened to the camera, too. I had no light. I didn't bring a flashlight. All I was using the camera light. And my friends had to, like, kind of kick the door to get it open. And then as soon as we left, we kind of stood there for a second. We're like, let's just kind of stand there and see if we see the light. And as we're standing there, I'm the closest one to the door. And they're all kind of, like, on the other side of me. And I just kept feeling like feeling like a hand go around my leg or my arm or my shoulder. Like, I just felt like I was being touched. And I was like, it was a good night. Let's get out of here. And then we left. And that was. And then the guy was like, once again, you guys got good footage. We can do one more location. And it was Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, I love that place. And we're like, we're, and my friends were like, no chance. We're like, we're <laughs> high school kids. There's no way we're going to, like, we told, we did the whole, like, trick where, like, I'm going to tell my friends, my parents are sleeping here, my oh. parents are sleeping here. And then we went to Jim Thorpe for the night. Like, no way we get, we go to Philly. Like, we get caught every time. Like, so we didn't, we end up not doing it. But yeah, that was my Jim Thorpe experience. We, we got the whole prison. You still have any of your footage from that? That'd so, be fascinating. So my friend, um, he moved right out of high school and he went to Arizona and he took everything with him. And I, I don't know his situation, what happened in Arizona. He wants to do an interview, so maybe we'll ask him during it. But all the footage is gone. He took it with him and it's all, I wish I had it. We had photos from the from the Gordon Mountain, from the Jim Thorpe. It's all gone. Like, <sighs> like on the camera, you can watch it. Like I turn and like, I, I, if, I, if I cannot remember too, you see like a shadow or like a, a, a hear hear like a weird distortion noise, and then it just cuts off, and then I was just and then from that night on, the, the rest of the night I had no, we had no camera. So that'd be awesome if you had that. Yeah, I wish. So I'm, this, I'm like in the same spot, I'm like a skeptical. Yeah. yeah. You had the experience, and it's like, <laughs> how do you explain something? I was a hundred percent like this isn't real, and I walked through, and I was like, and then I told the guy, like, didn't like when the owner came, he's like, so you guys have any weird experiences? And I didn't want to tell him that I was in the basement. And I was like, but I was like, all right. I said, I said, I felt like I kept getting touched or grabbed. And he goes, we have two of our girls who do tours that they, they, they say that happens to them a lot too. And they say it usually happens in the basement. And I was like, yeah, that's what was happening for me. And he goes, who turned the light off in the cell down there? I was like, I promise you we didn't. And he goes, well, it happened. And I kind of told him and he goes, he got lucky and he goes what do you mean he goes I had a tour one time where someone walked out of that cell and they thought they hit their head on something low but they didn't and they passed out and oh, they talked they convinced themselves they hurt themselves yeah so what happened what, they had a goonie on their head and there's nothing they like they literally had a lump and they mm-hmm. hit the ground so and then the guy's like I swear there's like you can't hit your head on anything there it's yeah. it's high so the only thing I could think of is maybe like something hit the guy and he dropped but nobody was behind. He was the last one out of the room. So it, it can be a scary thing. I mean, I have also been over at the Jim Thorpe uh, jail overnight with a ghost investigating group as well. And it's having that whole place lights off, walking around with little flashlights and stuff. I mean, we were told um, to like use red lens flashlights and stuff because that doesn't like as affect the photos and stuff as much. Um, but I've had random experiences, like, not necessarily there, but other places I visited where it was, like, a barber shop for the one, and for whatever reason, I felt, like, through my shoes, like, you know how, like, um, brooms, like, poke through fabric and stuff? Yeah. It was like that being pushed against my shoe, like somebody was cleaning up hair off the floor and stuff. It was super weird, but that kind of stuff, ha- especially, like, when you're younger, I feel like that kind of stuff clings 
to you and yeah. wants to be known and present. So when we met the media lady, she told me, because I got really sick when I left the gym, the Gordon Mountain, and she goes, the reason you got sick is because whatever was there was trying to channel through you, and I was like, stop talking. <laughs> and at the time, I was kind of into church and stuff, and like my pastor was like, don't go there no more. Like You're going to bring something you don't want. And I was like, oh, every horror movie kicked in. I was just like... So I, I don't know. It's it kind of is conflicting because uh, convicting my beliefs because it's something I don't believe in. But then there's some things I can't explain. Like stuff was something was that that night was was with me and it wasn't physically there. Whether it be an energy, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But so when you were in the, how much do you remember of the, the 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 downstairs when you were there? Not too too much. I mean, it was pitch black the yeah. whole time. So when you thing. first went down, you know how you you kind of put your back against the wall and mm-hmm. you look down and there's like cell 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 yeah. and there's a big blue boiler. Yeah. So if I think it's like the third one in, that's the cell the guy told us not to like do anything with. Mm-hmm. But if you walk under, like if there, it kind of gets lower, but if you walk underneath that boiler, it's like catacombs in yeah. that basement, and it goes deep. But our our lights kept getting so like every flashlight was dying. We were like, if we get stuck, we don't know our way back. Yeah, like like that basement expands, like it's huge under there. Because didn't they torture people back in that like underneath as well? Yeah. Because my when my mom went there before I went there... They won't there, take tours back there. Well, it was like an overnight kind of thing. Yeah. And she didn't necessarily know like what that was, but she got to that point, and since she's on like the shorter side, she could just kind of like walk through, and she just stopped dead in her tracks from what she told me, and was like, I can't go back there. And when she asked like what happened back there, they were like, that's where people got tortured and stuff. And she was like, I could tell. There was such a strong, tense energy... Yeah that it stopped her from making another step. Mm-hmm. I want to go. It's so cool. <laughs> well, it, it, this would, I, from what I would recommend is this would, this summer would be the, the time to do it because they are trying to sell it. Yeah. They're trying to, they're trying, I don't know if they're going to sell it and still do tours, but they're definitely still trying to sell it, but it, it's definitely a cool experience. But yeah, it was, it was awesome. We did the whole night, we did the whole overnight and we walked through everything. The only other places we weren't able to go is he wouldn't let us go to the very top. Like, so when you, get to the one staircase there's another staircase that goes above the like i guess the top we weren't allowed up there hmm. he's like no one's allowed up there and that was it well we had it all to ourselves it was so cool like i said that's such a neat town well that's, that's interesting i was just thinking how like i'm not like super spiritual yet something something kind of like just reaches out to you there about like, that city yeah yeah the whole town it's like i don't know yeah I definitely I got that same as, as, a, as a skeptic. It's kind of like it's a lowering. It's noticeable to me that like that place like and like through my life, I uh, when I kind of like because my family is Roman Catholic, so like you know yeah. you grow up you're an altar boy and you're told there's God and all these things. And the point comes where you sort of have like your own point of um, awakening. Yeah. And you question things. And I had that point, and I kind of like realized I don't know if I believe these things. It's like secondhand smoke. My dad told me there's a god he told me about gravity he was right about that you kind of like you know what i mean yeah a lot of stuff can be like sort of like imprinted on us yeah especially when we're younger and i finally got to that point where i started to like question everything and kind of got free of it and kind of decided like no i don't really know that i feel these things yeah that was my thing i i questioned everything um i i, I made a joke the other night when we went to that the 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 cult culture for culture or culture to culture um i got kicked out of uh, Bible school when I was a kid because I kept asking about the dinosaurs. Like I just I was just always that person who asked questions. And I was a kid I liked science, so I would always like ask, well, how come they told me this and they just didn't want to have that in Bible school. Um, 
yeah, and I, I never really was grew up in the church. Like I kind of, my parents didn't really do the church thing either. So I never really, like, I, so I kind of, I found religion kind of on my own, whether it be through, you know, friends or when we lived behind a church, I kind of would just randomly find it through either because we lived next to the nun, the, the, where the nuns lived in Monty City. You were going to say nunnery. Yep, the nunnery. <laughs> yep, I, we lived right next to that. Um, that actually, for a whole summer, I helped them build a prayer garden <laughs> that ended up being for Mother Teresa. And I got to meet Mother Teresa as a kid, like, when she came to Monty City. A friend of mine actually transported some stuff of hers around at one point. Too. Yeah. And so I got, to, I met her, and I, I never forget it. She came out of the church, and she, she looked up, and she gave me the blessing. And then I was like, looked at my parents. My parents were like, get in the house, get in the house. Because, like, I was a kid who, I didn't care. I said anything. And they're like, get in the house. Yeah. So then the nun who was like my buddy and she went away and I helped her build a garden. She's like, come here, come here, meet her. And I was like, I didn't know who, I just knew her by the mother. So I would tell my parents that the mother has is coming forever. And they're like, maybe they, they're telling them that you know, blessed mother's going to come down like Jesus and we're going to, that's what they thought. When I was saying the mother, I met Mother Teresa, I just didn't know who she was. So she come down, I'm on the porch and I'm playing my, my wrestling action figures and I go down <laughs> and I'm holding them and Mother Teresa looks at me and goes, what what's that? What's that? I'm like, oh, this is Macho Man, Randy Savage. This is Hulk Hogan. They're gonna fight up on my porch. Like I told Mother Teresa about WWF. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, she did not leave this planet without hearing Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. Thanks Welcome. to this guy right here. Welcome. But yeah, like so that the religion thing. Like yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm the same way. I ask too many questions, and then I research other religions, and I'm like, this is all this is all kind of plug and play. You just kind of change the deity mm -hmm. for a different one. But, I mean, I, there could be a higher spirit. There could be a higher power. I think people's energy can stick around. I can get behind that notion. I just, I don't know. And I, I've been kind of feeling like, um, it might sound crazy, but uh, um, cosmic consciousness. Yeah. Um, a lot of things that, um, you know, I've been sort of like, there's like no shortage of YouTube videos where you can go to some oh, you'll spiral. Remote, remote corner of the globe and there's somebody talking about some ancient structure or technology that they've unearthed, and they're trying to explain it in modern terms, and you're like, wow, yeah, that really does seem like there was some high technology going on here. And in a lot of cases, they're, I mean, it's just like, even from like our DNA, like when they, when they start to talk about like our, our genetic code and how there's like the missing link. Yeah. And a lot of people would pose that like, we're in experimentation, some other intelligence in the universe mm -hmm. uh, solar system or not solar system, universe you know in the cosmos came here and basically changed some things in our structure like we're genetically modifying plants and animals ourselves we at some point were were you know yeah. altered and we became what we are um and there's 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 other life elsewhere um i'm kind of following like that a bit more like I'm, yeah i'm looking at so many things thinking like wow there's a lot of evidence that supports this yeah 100 percent. there's like alien intervention and it kind of pulled me back into thinking, like, yeah, there may well be another dimension that there's too much energy, out there to say we're yeah. the only thing. I, I yeah. that's how I feel too. Like, I, I can't imagine that. And if we are, that's disappointing. The math, the math of it, yeah, the math of it is like it's, it's just absurd to think that we're not. <laughs> I agree, a hundred percent. Um, where can we go from there? Uh, so we got your music, cover a little bit of photography. Um, oh, so we'll we'll get to like your your stuff that you got going on now. So you have the retro, lovely. Um, you have the regular, then you have like a taboo version, which is a little more um, nudes. Nudes, yeah. We'll, we'll say it's nudes, but it's not. It's not like nudes in the aspect of um, how can I say? It's not like pornographic nude. It's not. You're not seeing. You know, when when people used to ask me like 
content creators when they say, well, what's what's appropriate for your taboo edition? Mm-hmm. My reply would be, maybe Hugh Hefner from Playboy would blush a little, but Larry Flint from Hustler would be bored. Yes. It's a Somewhere good between media. that. Somewhere yeah. between there. Yeah, you're not seeing... I don't want to see a model who's purposely exposing something for the shock value. Yes, you're not She's seeing... posing artistically you're and not you seeing see something. Like, fine. You're not seeing the vaginal, we'll say that. Sometimes there are, but it's not a contrived... It's not your face. I'm going to flash you. Yes. Yeah. It's, a lot, not, it's, it's mostly like topless, very cleverly posed photographs. Mm-hmm. And it, like, but it's... It, but the the style of it is no different than the regular retro magazine. It's just that they're not wearing a top or a bottom right. in it. It's right. it's it's still very. It's not nudity for the sake of nudity. Yes, mm-hmm. it's it's very it's still very artsy. It's still very it's done very classy, and it still keeps the theme of the magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 good. It's really and good. It's like for some people, that's fine. It's not a big deal for them. Yeah, you know, and it's it's what happened was I was getting content like that. I'm like, well, I just don't I don't print. Yeah, and it was like it finally became a situation of like, well, why not? Yeah, you know, so we did, and like it was really kind of like uh, fascinating to me. There was a point, maybe around 2012 or so, um, and how did this come to be? Uh, there was a, there was a point where for the magazine, I was actually buying and placing ads in other magazines to promote it. Like I had an ad in Inked magazine once, okay. which was like bizarre because they quite frankly, I reached out to them and I got their media kit. And like a full page ad in one issue was like thirty thousand dollars or something like oh. just insane, right? Wow. And I was like, oh, no thanks, right? But what was really bizarre was, like in two or three weeks, I get an email from the publisher, right? He's like, I'm so and so with ink. Um, somebody with the sales team noted your inquiry, sent you a media kit, but somebody else on the team actually had picked up copies of your magazine at some tattoo convention and they loved it. Yeah. And he's like, they brought it to me. We checked it out. It's really cool. He's like, I'll give you a deal, like a one-time quarter page for like 750 bucks. Wow. And I actually found the, I had made a, a graphic of the bill and it was funny because they literally, on the invoice, they showed the regular ad rate of like five figures and then like a, what did they call it? Uh, industry courtesy discount of like 97%, and the final amount was $750. That's like, awesome. And it, it was like so, it's so cool to like know that somebody else in a similar industry appreciated what you're doing and was, was able to say that. The the only thing, and this isn't like a, a like, because I do enjoy tattoos as well. So the one photo, it's not in any of these. It's the one you you're, you're kind of sending me over the thing. There was just the the girl with the very very blonde hair in the mm-hmm. blue bathroom. Oh yeah. yeah. So she has a tattoo on her leg, and I was zooming in so hard to find out what that. It looked like a Ren and Stimpy tattoo, kinda. It was very. It was a cartoonish tattoo. It was on her thigh. I can find out for you. Yeah, I was. I was very curious of what it it it, it looked like. But like I said, that's a th- that's a thing with these too. If you're into like art and tattoos. Wait a minute. Um, I have a thought. Check check this out. Like I said, the 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 artwork on these girls is phenomenal. Um, the like you know it's got a, it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, not every girl's tattooed either. Some. Funny thing with her. Um, this was issue one that I put out. Okay. Back in 2010. And this one sold for $10 back then, which is just phenomenal to even kind of comprehend right now. Uh-huh. Like when we when we brought it out, um, I offered it on pre-sale for 8 bucks, And at the time, I was like, who is going to buy a magazine for $8 when, like on a rack, they're free? Right? Yeah. I just thought, this is not going to work. This is going to fail. Right. 
So it came out at ten bucks. I pre-sold it at eight, and I rolled the dice on it and and spent more on printing more like a couple thousand more copies than I needed that I thought I needed. And when it hit, it was before smartphones really existed. Mm-hmm. Everybody had cell phones. You could text somebody. People still had pagers when I started this thing. And in the years since, smartphones have replaced so much media-wise between videos. Like, can you imagine 10 years ago or 9 years ago watching a YouTube video on a phone? Never. Or looking Never. at photos? I remember when you first... I remember the first time I could look at my, my MySpace page on a phone. I was like, this is crazy! You wanted to kill a little kitten. Yeah. yeah. So, that back then, you still had to buy a physical thing to see imagery good. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's changed and it's not needed now because it's all right there. Yep. Unlimited free. But back then, I was like, wow, who's going to pay this kind of money for this? Well, what happens um, with this particular, this physical copy, right? This is the first pressing because we are printing, because we actually reprint it more to sell because we sold through the first batch. Um, one of the models that I worked with, great gal, Lou Delahan. Um, the girl was, on the cover looks very familiar. Uh, she, she's pretty well known in the community. It's on the Sweeney Max. Um, she's been in some movies, and as far as like a pinup icon of the modern era goes, she's she's probably one of the most. Uh, yeah, well-known. I've definitely seen her before. But what was funny was, um, I was still in the D.C. area, and this gal was just really starting her career, and we had scheduled to do a shoot at this um, boutique hotel, and there was a blizzard, so we were scheduled for like certain times. Like the Elvis picture. And we called it James Dean or Elvis. Like she couldn't decide whether it was it was uh, there's a James Dean around here somewhere too. I think it's on the bottom show. corner. Yeah. So yeah, so he's over here. So that was the thing, the James Dean or Elvis, which one is gonna win her heart. Yeah. But the thing of it is she had somebody else scheduled to shoot her the same day in the same place. Well, till I got there with the blizzard and everything else, I was like an hour late. So rather than be rude and tell these other people, well, you gotta delay because I couldn't make my time. We literally did a shoot in 27 minutes. Wow. It was the first time we met. We did our stuff. I got set up. And lighting gets gets kind of involved. Like, I typically take 40 minutes to set up. You know, get my lights where I need them. And we did this thing like like lightning quick. So we did this edition, or we did the spread. So the issue finally came out. And the following year, she was going out to this event in Vegas called Viva Las Vegas. And it's a, if you're into like rockabilly and pinup and, and hot rods and shit, it's, it's the event. Mm-hmm. They come from all over the world. Like, they come in from, like, Europe and, and Japan, and, like, it is the place to go. So she was going there, and I said to her, Ludella, I'm like, you going to VLV? She's like, yeah, and she happened to be nearby. I'm like, can I give you a copy of the first edition? And as you meet people that may have been in this, would you get their autograph? And she's like, sure. So I gave it to her, and, of course, she signed it. But then she got me, let's see. The photographer who did the cover feature, you know, she signed it over here. I think I have probably about 60% of it. Um, I've gotten autographs. Of course, you don't see any of them here. <laughs> these gals. These gals. Actually, she's local. She's from down the border town area. This was shot in Jim Thorpe, actually. Really? These here. The girl who you showed first, if she would have bleached her hair, she could even pull off a Marilyn, like a new, a new version of Marilyn Monroe. Oh, totally. Yeah. So the gal you were talking about that had the rather yellow hair with the blue tile? Mm-hmm. It was the first time I ever met her a couple weeks ago. But oh, her tattoo is phenomenal. And here she is with darker hair, but she was in the very first issue. I just got this autograph at the at the middle of December. Um, that chest piece is phenomenal. It's it's it, it's it, almost I almost feel like the one that you're talking about isn't even here yet. Yeah, no, it would it would be on this leg. Oh, so it's hidden. 
Yeah. So that the one you showed me where there's three girls and you were trying to do that's that's her. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even notice that in the first one. So it's like a it's it just a, for people at home. It's it's like they're like um, what would you call them? Like the witch? What are the, those witch doctor called? The the ones who like what were they from? The, during the plague, yes. they put the big like bird mask. Yes, on. it's kind of like a, that the, with the atomic the cloud. Scented shit in there. That's yes, from smelling all yeah. the death. Oh, yes, and stuff. Yeah. yes, and then it's a huge atomic cloud in her chest piece. That's okay. awesome ink. Yeah, there's Mr. Nightmare. Yeah, I, I, it's it's I awesome, man. It's it's definitely cool stuff. Now, <laughs> do you um. Besides your magazine, do you do any like I know like what's getting popular now is how people are like, hey, um, I want to do like a calendar for my boyfriend or for my husband, or I want to do like a pinup calendar. From do you do stuff like that well, yeah, as well? In the, in the studio, there's all kinds of things that happen like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, with with pinup in the studio, um, I mean, a lot of it is like boudoir driven as well, where the woman wants to do something for herself, and you know, like with lingerie and like a soft contemporary look. A lot of times they'll do like a gift book. Um, yeah. Maybe it's like a Christmas present for their significant other. Maybe it's a calendar. Maybe they're getting married and they want to give the, the, the groom something on their wedding night. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of things like that too. So, yeah. And that's, it's really kind of interesting because those people are like very, very private. Like most of the things that I do that way, you never see because they don't want it online. 100%. Yeah. But these now, other, do you ever have people who, you, who do that and you're like, hey, you'd be awesome for my magazine? And no. You, never? No, I, 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 I totally, it's not, it, it's, it's on them. Yeah, it's really on them. I mean, and the thing of it is, it's like the magazine today, as compared to here. Like again, when I put this out or these other ones, um, we're printing thousands of copies, mm-hmm. and we had a market, and we're selling them, and they're in stores. Like I literally have bookshops that are carrying the thing all over the, the, the planet, for that matter. In fact, I almost had the uh, Taboo Edition um, Hustler was going to like carry them in their shops. Really, they really liked it, and they were like ready to do it, and things just didn't happen timing wise, and it was kind of like we lost steam and lost contact. And you know what? It would have been cool, but things were really dying at that point. Yeah. I mean, the thing with magazines is, if you notice with these, there is very nearly no advertising. And the thing of it is, magazines' original, let's say, business model, the way that they would survive is by delivering ad messages. Mm-hmm. And because we get them now thanks to Google and Facebook and social media, and we, we give social media all of our content for free. You know, you put this on YouTube or wherever and people watch and meanwhile they might catch that ad on the side that they're getting paid for, right? In the old days, content was needed to draw people to the ads that were in the, in the publications. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as reaching people before technology occurred, what were your options? Newspaper, phone book, billboards, magazines, uh, radio. TV commercials. TV commercials. Mm-hmm. And each one had its benefit as far as who it reached and how. Like if you were advertising, let's say you made dog collars, right? An ad for your company selling dog collars during the Super Bowl is probably not wise because the cost to promote it and the cost of what you'll make and who, is not who you're even, actually reaching, right? Yeah. Like half those people are cat people or have ferrets. They don't care about dogs. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> if you could take your same budget and stick it in a book called My Favorite Canine, you know, magazine, Odds are good people that like dogs are going to buy that. Yep. It's a much more focused, rifled way to reach your target audience. And magazines were like that. You take a special interest if you're into like woodworking. Boom, a magazine for that. You're into like collecting dollhouses. A magazine for that. For certain advertisers of specialty products, that's a great way to reach exactly who you needed to. Mm-hmm. Today, you do that online. The advertising dollars have vanished. Yep. Titles are constantly folding because there's no money. You know, people didn't. 
just decide to spend more money on Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever online, they diverted it from traditional medias. I just funny you say that too. Cause one thing that it's very very used a lot on social media, and I thought when it first came out it was the dumbest thing ever was hashtags. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. But you could literally like Instagram. You don't survive on Instagram unless you hashtag. Like I don't really, do, yeah. I don't do it that much with our photos, and I probably should. Yeah. But realistically, like you do like hashtag pinup, mm-hmm. and you you can come across this. You and know what I mean? Like it's ever changing too. Yeah. And that's the thing that's kind of like you can follow subgroups just based on that hashtag. Oh yeah. So you could do like hashtag cosplay, hashtag interviews, ha- and it will it, mm-hmm. it will that what people who have I mean obviously every now and then you'll catch like that weird one where someone just throws a weird one and then you're like why did the hashtag even on their photo like mm-hmm. but, I put ridiculous ones on just because I get tired of it. Yeah. 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 Just for, to amuse myself. Like, yeah. Ones that won't mean anything. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely cool. And with your shop too, do you do you ever look look at like local like up and coming photographers and and have them come in and like do you ever work with them in that aspect as well? Rarely is it uh, to my benefit to have anybody that would really be like up and coming or local. Like I do have visiting photographers that come from out of the area. One mm-hmm. of the things that like became pretty evident to me with the publication was. The photographers that had a signature style or look, and it was was popular, um, they could have a situation where they could literally kind of like be like a like a like a band, like mm-hmm. a, like a rock star, and go on the road, mm-hmm. and literally take their gear, get in a car, and decide I'm going to go to Austin or I'm going to go to L.A. And it's kind of like it's kind of like imagine it this way: let's say you're a photography studio and you're in Pottsville, and you do a great job. But everybody that like is really interested in getting photography done like this has had a couple sessions with you already, right? There's only so many times they're going to do it. It's mm-hmm. a luxury. It's a disposable income kind of thing. And frankly, I don't know how half, three quarters of the women that do it as much as they do can afford it. There's sometimes I joke that I want to put a sign in the studio. If you have a problem with modeling, call 1-800-blah-blah-blah because <laughs> I think they spend too much money on it. Okay, But they feel good. There is, it's more than just the photos. The studio and the experience is very body positive, uplifting, and does a lot for them in a psychological capacity. So much so that I've joked, I wish I could convince insurance companies that there was a health benefit that we could get some insurance money to co-fund some of these sessions because they really do, it's like, it's better than drugs and it gives them self-esteem. It gives them uh, a feel good Mm -hmm. that it's really hard to come by. And it's something that is a bit addictive. It's something that like if, if, if a model asks me, if a client says, well, I want to do the session and can my friend come? I'm like, is it a girl? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, by all means. I'm like, bring five because they'll get through the process. They'll see you having this fun, getting these photos. They'll want to do it too. I'm like, bring them, you know, bring them all. Mm-hmm. Let's do a show. Let's have a, let's have a, you know, photo shoot show and get them excited. About it's like it. karaoke. If once one's, so once someone, one person goes up and does it, everyone's like, oh, I could do that. Right. That's, exactly. It's kind of what we're hoping with the interview when we first started. I know we did our first couple ones. I did like my grand, my dad, like people who are close to me. And then like obviously I still reach out to a lot of people that that interest me that I would like to talk to. And then obviously like how we got connected through like Russ and Kelly. But like I get messages all the time. Like can I do an interview? And then I kind of like some I, some of my friends ask me, and I'm like. Are you gonna take it seriously? Or are you gonna come in here and just like, are we gonna mess around the whole time? Like, so you have to kind of weed them out. But the same right. thing, you, one right. person comes in, one person sees it. It's like it's a snowball effect. Absolutely. Yeah. And and just to wrap it up, the um, the thing with the photographers is this. So I have the studio. I do my thing. People come to me a bunch. Imagine it's a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You just open a great Greek restaurant, right? It's awesome. And everybody in your community has come to it so many times. 
the shine kind of you know it, it gets a little dull. It, yeah. It, it only there's only so much you can do. Like if you had the best, if you had the like a world class Greek restaurant next to you and you love Greek food and you can go there anytime you wanted to when it was free, right? And you did it so much, I guarantee you, if a taco truck pulled pulled up on your street for like a day, you'd be like, oh my god, tacos! This is the most amazing food ever. Or pierogies, right? Like. When you are denied something or you can't get it all the time. Like when I lived in D.C., I fantasized about halushki. <laughs> okay? Now I'm up here and I fantasize about the Lebanese food I used to get. Yeah. Or the Afghani food or the Iranian food, the kebabs. I mean, just cuisines. I feel like an outcast up here. I feel like I'm in a wasteland of, like, lack of options. Yeah. I, so here's the thing. That being the case, you're the photographer. You have a signature style. And these people see your work in publications or online. And... Now you go 12 hours from where you live and you set up shop in a new town. You're like that rock band coming to town. You're like driving to Pittsburgh to see Steel Panther. I'm not going to judge you. Um, <laughs> Love Steel Panther. Nikolai hated them. But the thing of it is, it's like, <laughs> I think they're funny. No, but, I mean, they definitely are. I just, my issue was, Tony was like, all these amazing things happen. And it was a place where there was girls, no Girls show their boobs. And, and he, was like, he was excited. No, just in general. Like, <laughs> I've heard a lot of crazy stories about these shows and stuff. And... All these people in front of me were so tall, I couldn't see anything anyway. So like the I music think Nicola, I enjoyed. I she's showing her boobs. Like I can't see anything. I'm looking at this guy's ass. Yeah, I'm like, I guess it's good. The show, the music's fine. They sound funny, but I couldn't see much. He wasn't, he wasn't able to get the full benefit of it. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. yeah. So, Hey, just to say this, I actually offered a piggyback. I know. So yeah, I would have not gotten on his shoulder. He was blackout drunk. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten on his shoulder. Well, I'm pretty sure at one point when we went, you lion kinged me and picked me up like Simba. Yes. Just so I could see up point. So it was like. Yeah, because yeah, this one girl, she was she was over by the VIP section and she she exposed herself and they were very phenomenal. Like, and I was like Nikolai. He's like. I, I I bet you they look great. I yeah. I, I, like, I kind of like I scooped them up a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have oh, any God. Do you have any questions since we? I, well, I do. Yeah, um, let's go. So you said he's gonna grill me on technical stuff. Yeah. I know. He just doesn't let me jump in. Right. <laughs> um. So, you were talking before about like buildings and stuff. When you go there, like I saw that photo, which I absolutely loved, of the girl um, posing on the piano with the mannequins in the audience. Oh yeah. Um. Was the first off was the piano there or was mm-hmm. stuff like that you brought in? Like I'm assuming you brought the mannequins. Yeah, that one, and that's actually kind of really, um, really fascinating thing there too. That location is over in Shenandoah, it's the okay. uh, uh, Cooper Building, the okay. Cooper School, and a gentleman has uh, Steinmetz Jewelers at some point got control of it. I don't know if he fully owns it, but he is endeavoring to save it. Okay, um, he's doing a number of different things to try and generate money to do repairs, to do upkeep, so that the building doesn't have to get torn down. And the thing of it is, it's I guess it was built in the 20s or so. Structurally, it's an amazing building. It must have been mm-hmm. lovely at the time, as far as like the you know the architecture and the appointments. And that that auditorium is just amazing. Yeah. And the thing of it is, it's like I had seen some photographers that were in there, and basically ultimately ended up getting hooked up with him and found out that you can rent it and go in there and do do photo shoots. In fact, that's awesome. There is barely a weekend that um, there isn't there aren't people in there doing photo shoots and like I actually one day saw an ad for a a pretty up and coming good photographer out of Boston who was like doing like workshops like she's that good that she she'll sell a workshop where you can go and like learn things from her she does very avant-garde and uh, elaborate things photographically that she came from Boston to Shenandoah to do a workshop and as I understand it was sold out 
And they have people coming in from everywhere to go to this place and, and do these things. So I saw the place and I realized I could rent it and I, I got in for a day and I wanted to do like a test thing. And there's an image that I wanted to do forever or I wanted to take, because I, I have a bunch of mannequins myself. I, I, I kind of collect them. It's like a weird thing that I have. And I think it stems from growing up around statues. There's an mm -hmm. actual philia called a galmatophilia, which is the attraction to statues or mannequins. And I think having grown up around statues so much, it's just this thing that I'm fascinated by you know mannequins and statues so i have a couple you know uh, mannequin parts and pieces i have maybe personally eight and i wanted to do a photo with a human amidst an ocean of mannequins and i always thought like a theater would be awesome for that mm -hmm. to get them in the seats because well from a practical standpoint most of my mannequins are just the busts so they're not going to be standing anywhere yeah anytime soon um put them on a seat and uh the model in question is somebody that I've worked with a ton. She's actually my main makeup stylist right now, um, Claire Marie. Really great. Talented on both ends of the camera. And uh, I said to her about going in there to do the shot that I wanted to do. And I said to her, I said, here's the thing. I only have like eight or nine mannequins. And I have a friend who has like another six that he lent me. And I said, for me to do this, right, it's going to take a while to get this to get to get the component material that I need to do this, and the thing of it is, it's um, uh, we had to do it twice because I wanted to do one perspective coming from the balcony down mm -hmm. where you saw the piano, yeah, was... and the other one was back into the audience, which was even more time consuming because there was more seats visible from above. You had so many rows across of like twenty, I don't know, maybe there's like a hundred a hundred seats that you can see from from above. Mm -hmm. So literally, I set up a tripod and get the exposure for the for the shot, get my light set and get her in position and basically what I did was I took a bunch of shots of her modeling doing different things and if you saw those original photos it's her doing her thing and 12 mannequins in front of her in the first row mm -hmm. but with the with the camera in the exact same position not changing at all then we both came and took those mannequins moved them to new positions mm -hmm. took photos of that moved them to new positions took photos of that and did it till we had the whole thing filled okay basically covered enough that I had you know three dozen shots mm -hmm. that I had something in every seat and they came back on the computer and did a composite where it was right. you know layering together so doing it like on both sides it took mm -hmm. I think we spent close to two hours total between her shoot and then moving those guys around to, to, to mm -hmm. create that thing because it's actually really interesting that you went about that way um, because I like um, even when I shot with Gotham um, we did a, a wedding scene and that's how they did it for us instead mm. of filling the whole church it was all right we're going to have this section and then we're going to do all the shots and then move you oh, yeah. around and that happens a lot so yeah. the fact that there was even that much extra work to it m impresses me even more instead of it just being an audience of these mannequins but oh yeah either way yeah. it was so impressive. It, i like the photo because it had like a kind of a creepy horror vibe too. Yeah. yeah but like i could also see the setting something great. yeah like coming to life there mm -hmm. you see this dead building and like even if it was in a music video where it turns into like this opera house that's all bright and if like, if you ooh. actually get on instagram and you uh look for the hashtag is it jw cooper what's the, the actual yeah the jw cooper if you do, hashtag jw cooper you'll find hundreds of amazing photos that were shot there that's, that's including sad. some that are bizarre like from some of these artists that have done <laughs> like like that woman from boston she she does this thing where she had an, uh, a model who's moderately famous she's actually got a very unique unconventional look she's like bald very 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 thin and she had her like on stilts 
but then she had this gorgeous flowing uh, uh, wardrobe, like this, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a dresser, I don't know what you'd actually call it, but it was like, you know, wardrobe that was like flowing. What this photographer does is, and I don't know how she does it, but when you see her, it looks like, because you can figure that stage is probably 30 feet tall. It's like two two school-sized floors, so yeah. whatever that is, it's huge. And the model's like almost like in the middle of the stage because she's on these stilts. And there's this like fabric flowing off of her like it's like it's in water. It's almost like it's a, you took a doll with this long flowing fabric and stuck it in a, in a fish pole and let it like flow around her real nicely. It's like this thing looks otherworldly as far as like how that fabric is just like floating in space. That's awesome. And the setting is like killer for that because mm-hmm. you have the space, you have the look. It has a great light, natural light. Um, you know, the stuff that comes in is like, it's got this like green tint because of the walls, you know, okay. it's, it's wild. But it's a very, it's a very great space. It's like, there's a lot of other spaces there that are like equally compelling. They had, they had a pool in that place at one point. Yeah. Okay. There's you a know. tunnel that goes from underneath the street too. Where did that go? I'm not sure if they is even still. I think that had structure issues, but you were able to go because they used to have schools on the uh, like a class on so the other side. Because you have to walk in bad weather. So instead of or even like if they had to go to the other side of the school, instead of walking across the street, you went under a tunnel that went under that's, the street. Yeah, that's cool. And it's it's interesting too because like with um with that particular session, I had just gotten a newer camera which um started to like implement some uh, some new technology like it had Wi-Fi on it and stuff. So what okay. was nice was even though I had the camera like. 100 feet away from me mm-hmm. I had the Wi-Fi on I was able to look at my smartphone and adjust it I was able to like change things of the settings I was able to see what it was seeing it was very powerful as far as like you know I'd have to run back and forth right. to like check that out right. I could I could tell the ca- I could tell my phone okay fire a shot it's like it becomes like a remote that mm-hmm. not only controls it but lets you see what it's seeing so so with like it's like open a new world to me. Like I can't believe it. you just hashtag JW Cooper and the photos that are taken there are insane. How many are there? There's a ton, right? The, well, there's a few hashtags. So JW Cooper has about 276 on there. JW Cooper School has about 200. But I mean, you could just it's just so much more there, like community center photography. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And there's a lot of people that go there and shoot that don't even tag it right. Like, yeah. Like it's it's you know that's just the tip of like what's been done there lately. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find that one where the girls' dresses kind of going everywhere. I'm I'm not finding it though. I forget her name. I wish I could remember the name. Yeah, that one. That sounds really cool. Like, that, like last year they were in there. Do you have? Do you have? I'm just gonna sneak one in, then uh, you can get back. I promise. Um, do you have like your holy grail location, whether it be local or somewhere where you're like, this is where I want to shoot. Like if 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 you were like, I want to shoot in this one spot, but you know it's just really challenging to do so. Where where would that location be? Hmm. Or a location that was like that, and then you end up snagging it. Nah, there's a lot like that. Yeah? Yeah, I still got a bucket list of, of places. Some of those hotel rooms you go into, I don't think I'd ever leave. Like that one with the gold bathroom, or the one yeah. you just did the other day, where it looked like it was like, it looked like a rock star stage. It's with called like a pole and the jacuzzi. Space Odyssey. Yeah. Where's that at? That's uh, It's it's across the river from Philly in New Jersey. It's a, it's a hotel called the Feather Nest Inn. And what, every single room is like some kind of like themed suite. That is so cool. Yeah, I, was, I was literally. Um, it looked like a rock star yeah. aliens like stripper stage. Like you're the bed and in the bathroom and then there's like a, a, a jacuzzi. You have to like go up on a stage and there's a jacuzzi yeah. and like a pole. Then yeah. there's like mirror. It looked so cool. He did a photo That's shoot. Awesome. It. It's and, it's in every every room they have is different. Like if you want to pretend like you're a caveman, there's like a, a beast like a 2000 BC suite 
What? Like you could literally, and, yeah. you could literally do your own show or podcast or have a a page dedicated to just locations like that to people just to go to. Well, you know the thing is though, what's really interesting is like if you talk about the one with the with the gold tile. Mm-hmm. Um, I had contacted them. That was up in uh, the Catskills. I had contacted them like two years ago, asking if I could shoot there, and I was told no. Right? I still went. But the trick is, when I asked about shooting there, it was in a capacity of, can I come as a photographer and have clients come and shoot them? And this place in in, in uh, New Jersey, the the place that looked like the you know the space age stripper stage, um, I had um, a model that I know told me a story that she was there once with another photographer, a traveling photographer, doing sessions, offering for sale sessions at this at this event, at this place. And the photographer noticed there was something in the trash can that was like unappealing to them. I don't know if it was like a, not to say it was a broken hypodermic needle, but imagine something that like he looked at and said, oh, that's not cool that that's in my room that I just rented. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if the photographer had this brainstorm, well, maybe if I complain, I'll get a discount. Oh, and she did. And what's interesting is when you sign in and you get your room, part of the policy is it's two persons. It's two people. You're paying them money for two people to stay there, right? So hotel management comes and they're like, whoa, are you guys making like porn videos? Here's all this equipment. There's like stands and lights and <laughs> there's six people here right now. Um, you're not welcome back. They didn't kick them out, but they said, we will not rent to you again. Because if you think about it, again, this is this is the courtesy aspect. This is the thing of thinking yeah. about why would they have a problem with that? If you have a hotel, like if you turn your house into a bed and breakfast and the only people that came here were like having bachelor parties, how exciting do you think that's going to be cleaning up? Yeah. Because people are assholes. Mm-hmm. All right. People people abuse privileges. And I'm certain there's been no shortage of, of people like, you know, photographers going places and the wear and tear on the property is probably enough that they've had damages. Like I, I shoot a lot down in, uh, in Duncannon, PA. There's uh, the old sled works. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's an antique mall. No. It's an actual factory where they used to make the uh, lightning guider sleighs. Wow. You know, when they, when they finally folded operations, the guy that, that runs it right now said to his dad, he's like, because he was out traveling, like doing work for their, for their other business. He starts to notice like these shop uh, antique malls popping up. And going back to his dad, you know, they, they have this empty building, you know, thousands of square feet of empty space and he's like dad I have an idea for that building we have he's like let's try a co-op let's try an antique co-op and they started this co-op and it's great and he's got this um, this soda fountain like it's an actual soda fountain that's like stepping back in time like it's like the 50s again he's got all his like memorabilia he had an arcade like with ski ball machines like everything from the 50s and 60s it's fantastic and it's a dream location to shoot and when I first started the magazine um, I was aware of it I went in a couple times and I talked him into let me do a photo shoot it ended up being that he ultimately um, he started doing like his billboards for the business had pinup models on it mm-hmm. like it became like a theme and he started to experience a lot of people coming there that like had either seen the photo shoots or uh, a few years just after that they started an event um, they call it sled fest where basically it's almost like a mini rockabilly culture sort of thing where they bring in like old cars you know pre-72 cars so like a lot of the hot rod clubs come out and their parking lots filled with these classic cars they get vendors in and they do all these like fun things well, to get back to it, he started letting people go in there to do photo shoots. And, oh, yeah, so here's a client, uh, you know, a photographer and the model steps on one of the, you know, the stools that the soda fountain with their high heels and pokes a hole in the vinyl. Or they get on the counter and they knock over one of the antique Seaberg, you know, the jukeboxes. 
stuff gets damaged and people don't want to take responsibility. And he got to the point where he's like, no more. He's like, literally, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. He'll he'll still let me go there because I treat it like it's mine. Yeah, I'll go in and like I. That's that's crazy. That I treat it like that a, it's people my People don't do that though. Like you would think like yeah. if you're in any location, like when I was asked to go do the the podcast at that venue in Harrisburg, the the uh, the HMAC Center. Oh, it's a great place. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I was like they, they they invited me to come and help promote like a show, and I invited like local artists to come in off the street and just do. And I was like the whole time I was in like school like, county guy. Look at yeah. you. Yeah, and I was I was like. <laughs> Is it cool that we're here? Like, are they, are they sure? Am I cool to be here? Am I cool to do like? And I like, I set my stuff up, and I was like, super like, I cleaned up. Like, I was like, so they were probably blown away. How yeah, like, thoughtful you were. Yeah, because that's my opinion. Going like, I can't believe that people even have that mentality. It's insane to me. Like, especially if you're given just like a gem of a location, you're like, why would you ruin that? Because mm-hmm. people are self-centered and think everything's about them. Yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. Well, I have been at locations, or I've done shoots at locations where ahead of time. I tell my client base because I have like a private Facebook group and I have a couple different things where I can communicate with them. Mm-hmm. That still hasn't been destroyed by like how Facebook has destroyed everything. Um, but I'll I'll do sessions someplace and I'll tell them flat out, you don't touch anything unless you ask me first. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't start to sit on anything unless you ask me first. Like at car shows, like I have these models like go sit in a car. Yeah, a guy that has like a thirty thousand dollar paint job and they're just gonna like park on park their butt on it with like you know rivets in their jeans. No. No, you you think about these things and you, yeah. you you ask permission first. But that's the thing; it's like people ruin that. So, I have locations that I've cultivated that I doubt other people would get to and be able to use, just because I've established that relationship and they know that I'm like I'm watching out for them. Yeah, you know. So, as far as it goes, um, locations that I would love to get into to do. Um, well, God, we talk a little bit about the old intermediate school of Monte City. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, I'm just trying to think locally. I think I've expired most things that I could get to, mm-hmm. you know, if it comes right down to it. Um, on a national level, there's a few places that, you know, would be amazing, but I just don't think it's going to happen because they're, they're too valuable or, you know what I mean? Well, and just to kind of like get back to it, that actually does have value. Like I remember um, some early issues, uh, the magazine, when I had found out about this place in the Catskills called Kate's Lazy Meadow, right? It's this amazing cluster of like cabins that look like they're stuck in time from like Dirty Dancing. Like when you think about Dirty Dancing and the families go up to the Catskills and they're like they're doing all mm-hmm. this sort of shit. It's almost like cabins from them. And you're like, oh my God, it's like the kitchen looks like it's 1957. It's amazing. And oh yeah, there's a whole field of airstreams that you can rent and stay in. Wow. Along this creek near the near where Woodstock occurred, right? And then here's the thing. It's like Kate's Lazy Meadow was actually co-owned by Kate Pearson from the B-52s, okay? You know, Rockstar has money. One of her retirement businesses, she starts this this getaway place. Very smart. <laughs> and decorates it with people that she knows from the industry, like, you know, that, that worked on videos that they did. Very artsy. Did she call it the Love Shack? Actually, one of the, the people that owned that building were some of the people that were hired to do to do this place for them. Yeah. They did a lot of the, a lot of the work. And what was interesting was I got to know them, and there was a point where my magazine was, like, in the rooms. Like, I'd send them new issues. Like, I'd send a couple cartons. Yeah. And new issues were in the rooms. Like, when guests would come in, there'd be Retro Lovely. That's awesome. And I talked to them. I'm like, so can I come and do, like, a photo shoot here? And just, like, matter of fact, it's like, yeah, the day rate's $1,800. You know, because what they put together has value visually that uh, production companies will go in. Like, you're doing a movie or you're doing, like, some TV thing, and you're out of out of New York. It's close, and you don't have to spend any money on 
finding, you know what I mean, the, the, the toaster or the yeah. stove, it's all ready to go. They've yeah. built this set. So, you know, some of these places know that and there's a value that they that they affix to it. So I'm just trying to think like I really want to do like a tour of like um, old Route 66 and find some stuff out there. Like I'd yeah. love to get some stuff with like with like the desert. I, I don't even know if it's still standing, but like the old CBGB building. I don't even know if that is there. Yeah, I don't know if they tore that down, but that'd be a cool place to get some sh- like on the old school stage and stuff. Um, yeah, that that would be neat. Uh, do you have any any other questions? Like, oh yeah, uh, it's back to him. Now. Yeah, 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 sorry, Nikolai. So back to that photo. Um, <laughs> just in case anybody wants to go see it, because um, I would like to see it if possible. Um, is it in any of the magazines anywhere? No, but I actually have. Oh wait, I actually just did put it in one of them. Because after I kind of like found it again, I actually stuck it in issue number thirty. Is that something people can still get? Yes. Okay. Because yeah. that'll definitely yeah. be one. All that the all the links are in the bio. You can get it digitally or physically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Because I definitely want to support, especially such a cool thing like oh, that. Thanks. I'm buying the newest. He just gave me a, a poster. Um, of of one of my favorite models he's done so far. I just think she has a great look. Uh, I'm gonna be definitely buying the issue. That's the one with the really gold bathroom. Okay. Yeah. Josephine Kenny, also an amazing photographer. Yes. Yeah. I did. I I added her. I did a little creep, and I sorry. <laughs> um, and and I checked you know, out her. It's her. funny. She she like she shoots models in a way that like if I didn't know it was her shooting it, I'd say that's some dirty old man shooting these photos. Yeah. Like, she shoots butts like nobody. Yeah. Like, well, no. There's um. She's 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 a contender on the East Coast. She's probably like my favorite butt photographer on the East Coast. Her yeah. display picture is a butt on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Butts are popular. Like I don't yeah. know, like if you guys I'm have a, ever seen butt guy. the whole uh, <laughs> like your best nine, your best nine photos for the year. Yeah. For several years in a row, when I would do that, like they're all like butt shots, and it's yep. not just guys. Like women love the, the booty. Yep. But uh, on the West Coast, there's a gal, Mandy Cyril's. I think I'll, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Or Poison Apple by Mandy Hicks. She does butts like nobody's business. Like her mm-hmm. and Josephine are like. Like I said, if if you didn't know there were women, you'd be like, these are dirty old men making these photos. <laughs> yeah, I when I I actually let, try to look up for a lot of pinup on Instagram, like the pinup models and pinup photo shoots, and it's funny because a lot of I think I followed Retro Lovely before I even knew mm-hmm. like about you, or because when you when the way Instagram works, if you like so many things of the same thing, it starts feeding you. It stuff. starts feeding yeah. you stuff. Yeah. So I I when I went back to go like, oh, I'm gonna go follow Retro Lovely, it was already followed. And then I was like, some of these models I already followed as yeah. well. And I was like, oh, that's because I creeped on half it on Instagram <laughs> and I follow like the pinup model because I, I like that style. Like I, it's something that, that that's like I, I, I visually I like it. And then you throw the tattoos in there. It's just it's a knockout for me. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because like one thing that I was never really aware of um, when I started this. was social media, a really bizarre thing occurred where I would like share some photos on Facebook and was a model with like tattoos and I start to see comments from like these crotchety old guys or women oh they look terrible with tattoos well, they should be pure like the driven snow and blah 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 and like I remember one guy especially like I try not to engage people that are negative mm-hmm. because they just feed on that like I feel, I feel like I'm just giving them what they want yeah the acknowledgement that they got you mm-hmm. but this one guy the one time was so like he just he just caused me to like respond and he's like talking about how like you know women never did this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, I replied back. I'm like, yeah. And you know the good old days like when they couldn't own property or vote or have a say with their you know their bodies about anything. And like mm-hmm. I just like started laying it on them. Like mm-hmm. I just like really seriously. Yeah. What the hell? They're not making you get a tattoo. Yeah, right. and it's super like your magazines. I mean, you could they could be seen different ways, but it's 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 very empowering too. Like even like how you're saying your models, they feel. 
they feel good about themselves when it's done. It's it's, you know, it's really interesting because like um, we've had some like diff- well like the retro ball. We've had different events where I've gotten to meet significant others of some of the some of the models, and it can go one of two ways. Like like when I got here and I gave you that poster. Yes. I, said, I don't know if you're allowed to have this. Yes. Because sometimes in relationships there's dynamics where if you as a man had looked at a woman in, in, in lingerie, that's cheating. That's 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 just taboo. That doesn't yeah. happen. And yeah, then there's other relationships <laughs> where your wife would come and go, yeah, she's got a great ass. Like you know, I mean, it's, the dynamics are different. Yes. You just don't know what you're gonna get. When it comes to the models that do this sort of thing too, that exists as well. It's not uncommon to have a situation where a guy just does what wants nothing to do with his wife or significant other out there for view and gets you know irritated by it and doesn't approve and it's it's a problem mm-hmm. and you know it's I respect that too everybody has their own things um, but what I do find interesting is I've had plenty of instances where we've had like an event like we actually went to like Knobles a couple times where we had like pinup in the park where we all get together there and get a pavilion and, and, and do our thing. You know, most people get dressed up and everybody else like looks at them. But we have like a good time. It's like the community is nice. And what's really been kind of like really cool for me is this, is that I've had these guys, I've had like the husbands come up and introduce themselves and they say, thank you. I tell her constantly how she, how beautiful she is, but she doesn't believe me. And since she's done this, she's now seeing it too. Mm-hmm. And it's because imagine like, you know, your own family situation. You're a kid and you're like, you take piano lessons and like, you know, your family's going to be supportive even if you suck. Yeah. Even if they're like cringing every time you hit a note, they're going to support you. And the people that are close to us, they kind of do that. Even if we're bad at something, even if something that they're like, eh, they'll they'll support you just because you're you. Yeah. Because of who you are and what you mean to them. I think that's what I'm skating by on this show. I get a lot of people support it and I'm like, I don't know if I'm not great at it, but they're liking it. So Tony, don't undersell it. (laughs) It's definitely something that you <laughs> but it happens. For the fresh like I get a lot of I get a lot yeah. of support, and I don't know if it's because of the person I am or if it's the work I'm putting out. But it, it is nice to hear. And it, well, it, it as a critique, because I crit- yeah. I critiqued your lighting when I got here. Yeah, I was excited <laughs> to see these lights because I watched some of the first programs. I thought, oh, I don't want people to see me on a video. It's, well, that's a oh, it's really dark. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there are no lights. I told them it's we'd not a white balance, and yeah, everything yeah. looks super dark. So uh-huh. I saw these. I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. you got some lights. But that, here's the thing. As an outside person who you've never given me a ride to get my car when it's getting fixed, I've never helped you with jack shit. Yeah. Okay? We're strangers effectively before tonight or talking online a little bit. There's a genuineness about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's important. It's not contrived. I hate to say it because, I mean, I'll bet money you would love to have more polished production. But yeah. there is something really welcoming i think it's more people may feel more involved because it is just a bunch of guys sitting around the table a bunch of people sitting around the table with the microphones talking mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not you're not uh polishing a turd as it were yeah you're just you're just letting it happen naturally mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in that i think because there's so much stuff that's like so polished but it's so phony at the same time it's like oh god yeah you know that sucks Oh, and it, and it, like the, the, I like talking to like like people that obviously like you have something going on at work, but it's not just putting your work out there where people are getting to know you behind your work too. You're not just a guy behind the camera. Like they're gonna find stuff out about you. Like so, if people follow you as just you know who you are as lovely like the photographer. They're learning more about you on a personal level too. I, I think that I think that feeds back to that thing we said earlier where you could be mediocre at things. Yeah. But if you if you are genuine and you get the job done and you're likable and you solve their problem. 100%. That has a lot of value. 
I think that's one of the things that we kind of like gloss over a lot anymore and, and start to lose lose sight of yeah lose, lose sight of value of people as as people yep so yeah it, it definitely it's, has that it's it's good to to do deeper dives on just not only people that have stuff going on but just stuff in general like we just did the one with my buddy Andy and uh, I, I was like I hope this wasn't like a boring interview because like he's so like zen like my buddy Andy he's like just as, like the last interview he's just like well you know the bad things happen but nothing more than anyone else like he's kind of like if I it's if like I, Bob Ross yeah having Bob Ross it, it was yeah. it was it was like Winnie the Pooh but like <laughs> he he was he was spit, like he, he, without trying to be dropping knowledge or dropping like advice or like how Winnie the Pooh has those monumental quotes <laughs> but he's not even trying that's kind of how Andy was he was just like yep you know things happen to people but you know you move on and keep going if the milk is spilled you just clean it up like he was just such a cool inspiring person but he didn't really he, like he just kind of was himself which it's just it, every time i get behind the microphone i talk to someone different it's just like a different experience it's so much fun but sorry to, <laughs> any last questions i do have one question okay and i've been dying to ask about this um because i was flipping through facebook and i've noticed um a combination between like cooler tone photos and like on the warmer side um and besides the photo of like with all the mannequins in the theater because um, I'm more of a fan of like a cooler tone photo, uh, but there was a warmer photo that as I was scrolling through Facebook really caught my attention. I really loved. Um, it was a shot of this girl, and she had these, I guess they were old-fashioned light bulbs behind her and a couple hanging, and she was holding one above her head. And you mentioned in the comments about like how happy she was, and you keep just taking those photos to catch those moments. Mm -hmm. And it really showed because... I don't think a cooler photo would have done that moment justice because you could feel the warmth of the smile in that orangish glow, and it just worked so beautifully. I think with um, I know I know the one you're talking about too, and like what's really been interesting for me is over the past few years of doing this with with models, um, like I said about them like having the uplifting experience. Um, something that has occurred again and again and again is I've had clients that will come and like they are like so wound up tight feeling like they can't do it and they're no good and, and it's just a bad idea and they talk themselves out of it. Some people talk themselves but they never, they never hit the door. They don't even get in. Mm -hmm. They talk themselves out of it. I had one woman come in one day and I was in the one room and I could hear the door. I heard a person walking up the stairs and I and the makeup artist walked around and as we're doing this it's like the person sounded like they were hyperventilating. I literally had a moment where I was curious like oh my god is she is this a medical condition? Is there something wrong that we're going to have to like call an ambulance at this point? And she just got to the top of the stairs and like she was so emotional about feeling like she couldn't do it that she was crying. She was like broke down and was like crying. And I've had that happen a ton. And the thing about it is those moments where you see those smiles that are natural. Mm -hmm. One of the things, the recipe for how I handle it. I mean, photographers can approach a session and like if, if you were uh, selling these glasses and you needed product photos, or you needed, you know, lifestyle photos of somebody with your product. You have a you have a distinct need of what you got to get done. You hire a model who's good at modeling. You have a vision of what you want to do. You give them guidance. You you set it all up. Um, with people that have never done it before, they really don't know how to go about it. Um, you really need to take the edge off of it. You really need to put them at ease and make them feel like it isn't a big deal. And one of the things that I do, technology kind of like assisting at this point is. Um, if somebody comes to me and we're doing a shoot, I'll ask them, like, do you have a smartphone? Who doesn't? And I'll say, it has cameras on it, right? Like, it could take a picture of something. I'm like, it could, take, it could take a picture of the person holding the camera. They could take a picture of themselves, right? And I'll usually ask them, like, so 
you might not be a selfie queen. Because you know those people, you see their profiles online, and it's like, there are 30,000 photos of her in the exact same <laughs> pose every day. You can see her aging on here. Even if you're not a selfie queen, you've seen somebody take a selfie. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, I have seen it. I'm like, and I, then I demonstrate. I pick up the phone. I'm like, I'm like I'm, I vogue. And I, I click and like, no, right? You've seen them delete the thing immediately. And I just say to these ladies, I'm like, so here's the deal. Just like when a person's taking a selfie, we can see the monitor on your camera right now. You can see how it looks. People get feedback about how it looks, and they can decide what they like. And there's different angles, and there's different things that you're going to like best. You can't see the camera as we're shooting, but what we're going to do instead is we're just going to take a lot of photos. I'm your advocate. I'm going to like tell you if something looks really ridiculous. Like if your hand looks like it was like just just got out of a bear trap and it's like all crippled and mangled, I'm going to tell you that doesn't look good. I think you'll agree with me later that that's not a cool pose to have, right? <laughs> I'm your advocate. I'm going to I'm going to try and keep you out of those yeah. pitfalls, but I don't want you to think about it too much. I'm going to be like worried about what you're doing. Let's mm-hmm. have fun. Typically, we're joking around. Um, you, you got to disarm them. You got to take the 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 worry about success. Let's just have fun. Let's just try things. Take lots of shots. Later, you get to decide which ones you like. I mean, we do goofy things. Like in the studio right now, if you were sitting in my main my main my main studio, um, and somebody was like working with me for the first time, a point will come where I'll say to them, "I want you to look up at the ceiling and laugh at Steve Buscemi." And if you look up, there's a picture of Steve Buscemi on the ceiling. Nobody. Is not going to laugh. It's Steve Buscemi. <laughs> and and the, it's so natural and so spontaneous. I typically rifle off a bunch of shots right then. And you, I don't think I've ever had bad results of somebody doing that. Yeah. And it was actually funny too. Um, and it's a social experiment. I think this is kind of interesting because I've learned this. I, I love horror movies. You love mm-hmm. it too. Yeah. I think everybody should know what Silence of the Lambs is. I agree. Right? Mm-hmm. So two years ago, we did these um, Easter sessions. And I had like a thousand Easter baskets in the studio. I exaggerate. It's like more like... 100. I did that too. I exaggerate every story to make it sound cooler. So I had like way too many Easter baskets in the studio. We're doing these sessions and Easter's over and I'm like, I'm going to do these baskets till next year. I'm going to store them upstairs. Yeah. I'm like, what am I going to do with these baskets? And I'm like, and it hit me. So I got one that was about the right size and I went to the computer in the printer and I found a, a picture of Buffalo Bill like where he's like over the well, right? And I got it and I printed it and I taped that up on the ceiling on the other side of Steve Buscemi. And then I hung a string down and had a basket hanging. And if you get under it just right, it's like you're in the well. <laughs> and people, there's some people that they see it, and all they do is like instantly, like they take, they're taking selfies with Buffalo Bill over their shoulder. Yeah. They get it because they see in the movie. But I'm amazed at how many people have not seen that movie and do not know what that scene is. Yeah. It's like, it's easily 50% of the population does not know that scene. Yep. There's but, still people who have never seen The Godfather. I, you know what? I don't get some of that. There's some things you must watch as a human being. <laughs> yeah. But to answer you, the the thing with those shots, yeah, I have gotten so many unplanned shots that look fantastic, and it's one of the reasons that I'll say to my clients, I would rather take a bunch and capture those moments than try and plan for them and do them because invariably, like I've seen great models given so much direction that they get preoccupied and look like they're trying. They look, yeah. you just, you see it. You know, the spontaneity is, like, really important. I remember, like, back in the old days of film, there was there was a, a practice where if you really wanted to get some really natural-looking shots of some models, you would, you would pose them. You'd get them into, a you know, the, the pose that you were after, but you would make them turn away and then turn back to you. And as they're in the process of turning back to you, you start firing those, you start firing off your shots. 
Okay. And usually one of those would look better than the thing that you were trying to get all along, you know, the thing that was staged. I can't say, I, so many sessions that I go into and I think, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly what it's going to look like when I'm done. And you go through the process and it's not. You're not, you know, you're, you're nowhere near what you thought you were going to get, but you got all these other things that are fantastic too. Okay. Because at least you tried it, you know. And with anything that's like art-based, yeah, experimentation is everything. So many things that we have where somebody screwed up, you know, they screwed up or they, they were trying for something and they got it wrong, you know. It's a good exercise to actually try for something and see where you go. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. You got any other ones? Or before we wrap up? Um, let's see. I mean, what I can keep them here all night because I have so many, but I did. <laughs> I, I do have one question about like the technique of things. Um, do you prefer to um, get almost the end result of your photo in the camera itself, or is it we just want to get a certain pose and then I know later in like Lightroom or something I can tweak it to get that specific style? It really depends on what you're doing. If I'm working with a client, one of the things that I love to death is getting as good a, a photo as possible mm. right then and there. Because one of the things that um, people have become desensitized to, and again this leads to or lends to the empowerment sort of thing, there's nothing that pleases me more if I do a photo session with somebody and my studio practice is kind of unusual for like a lot of uh, photography studios. A lot of people think I'm crazy, but if I work with somebody and they hire me for a session, the moment I finish shooting them, I hand them a data card with all their files. I shoot to two. I keep one set for me. I have a second set. He's like a professional camera. I have a second set that I give mm -hmm. to them. Um, I do this for like a couple of reasons. Um, in the industry that I'm in, and this actually is true for like wedding photographers too, um, you probably wouldn't have to survey only a couple dozen couples who were just married and ask them from your wedding, how long did it take you before you got your wedding photos from the photographer? I guarantee you, if you surveyed 50 people, you're going to get a couple horror stories in there of it taking a long time for them to get their actual product. Mm -hmm. There's something weird that happens that I don't know why. But there's a lot of people that treat the business of photography as it's a side gig. It's their side hustle. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen photographers online and their personal, you know, online profiles complaining about their clients asking for the photos that they were promised. Like, I have I have life and I have my kids and this and that and they'll you know, they have to understand. I'm like, No, if they pay you money to do the work for them, right, give them their product in a timely manner. And you're capturing the most important moment of their yeah. life, and they want there, it. There are some crazy horror stories. Yeah. So the thing it is with what I do, it's the same thing. Like, I've heard repeatedly horror stories of, of, like, models who have worked with some photographer, and it takes forever to get their actual images. And they have to, like, fight them to get them, and it's, like, a big deal. So from a marketing standpoint, knowing that this is a problem, right, mm -hmm. I made the decision. I said, okay, well, I can actually shoot two things at once, and, you know, an SD card is, like, five, six bucks. I'm going to include that in my pricing, and when I'm done, I'm going to give them all their photos. For some artists, that's a dangerous thing because they feel models might not always choose the best things to represent what they did as a, as a mm -hmm. photographer, and that's true. But I try and shoot as good as I can, the best of my ability, because I remember shooting film, and you had 36 exposure, and it cost you money, mm -hmm. right? It cost you money. There's a cost associated with every time you hit that shutter button. You work to get it right. Right. 
what I also love about, well, two things. One, they get it immediately, so it's a business decision on my part where they're like, wow, that's great. I love that. In fact, I've spoiled some people. Like when they work with other artists that don't do that, they're kind of like, some, sometimes they're shell-shocked. Like, what do you mean I don't get them all to, like, now? What do you mean I got to wait? What do you mean I got to buy them later? I got to buy my photos later? I, just, I thought I paid you for the shoot. Yeah. So the thing is, they get them, they have them. That's a plus for that. It's a business decision for me. It's, it's a sales point. It's also two copies of those files in the world, one in my custody and one in theirs, mm -hmm. right? I haven't had it happen. I've had hard drives fail. And I can't stress this enough. If you're doing stuff with video, audio, photos, right, spinning, rotating disk hard drives will fail. Yep. I just, I lost all of the stuff from before. My, I told it's, you the hard drive crashed. It's not a matter of will it fail. It's a matter of when yep. right. will it fail. And yeah. is it possible to recover, right. which is the, always that heartache panic. Of and like, even if it is, how many hundreds or thousands of dollars will somebody who knows what they're doing and can do it for you cost, charge you to do that? Mm -hmm. And I had that happen. I've had hard drives fail. It cost me money. And I finally have a networking system that backs everything up in triplicate. And I'm using solid state drives right now for my critical stuff. Like if I shoot, it's immediately on a solid state drive, not a, not a rotating disk. Mm -hmm. And it's on there until it's backed up. Can't right. stress enough how awesome solid state disks are. Um, but for me, right, I've never had a problem with like my actual SD cards, but my computer stuff, yes, I have. I'm backing it up now, fantastic. But I know at least there's two sets of data in the world. Right. One's with the client and one's with me. And God forbid something happens on my end, I know they have a set too. If they don't like chuck it somewhere. Yeah, that's definitely a good system. So that that's that's awesome for me too. Now the thing with giving them all the photos and the dangerous aspect of like the quality, mm -hmm. if I'm shooting as best as I can. I will let that work stand on its own. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm 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 okay with them if they decide. You know, and sometimes they do pick some that I question. And here's the thing that's important too. If I take a photo of you three guys right now, right together, and we took a bunch of them, and you were each allowed to go through them and decide which one you like best for you, and which one you thought he, excuse me, people, I think <laughs> it was only one. And and you decided for him where he looked his best, mm -hmm. and, and you decided for yourself too, Nicola. You're not going to like match up. Yep. Your decisions are not going to be the same. People see themselves differently. And I don't want my clients to have to deal with and live with what I thought was their best look. Mm. I want them to be happy with how they look. And you're letting them have that choice of cho they, choosing. They, they can choose. Yep. And what's really powerful is when, like, I think it was two or three years ago, I was shooting in Gun Cannon at that uh, antique mall. And we had a full day. We had like eight clients back to back every hour on the hour. And what was amazing was, we were getting toward the end of the day, and the makeup artist, she turned to me and she said, oh, three of the models that we shot just hours ago are already posting the photos that we took. I hadn't even seen them myself, and they're sharing them online. And the thing that becomes powerful is this. How many times have you seen photos of somebody, especially with phone apps with these damn filters, <laughs> right? How many people have you looked at and said, that looks like them 10 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Or... Ooh, that that's I, I kind of them. I, I use filters all the time. All right, well, you know, I'm not gonna judge you, but <laughs> I'm like, oh, I look like crap. Whoop. <laughs> so, so for me, what I love to death is when a client can do the shoot and they post the photo and they can say, "This is an unedited photo." Yeah, mm -hmm. that's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful, and it's even more of a psychological boost for them because we have become so desensitized to photoshopping that we almost don't believe photos that we see. Yeah. So if I can give them something that they can say, this is me and it's unadulterated, 
you know, yeah. that's also a big story. I When I worked for American Eagle, the biggest thing I used to always really be proud of when I worked there was when they did their model shoots, what they said is they didn't Photoshop their models. Like that's cool. They had their, like, if the model had stretch marks or they had tattoo, like, they kept it all because cool. they said, when you wear your clothes, we want you to look, and they did all different shapes and sizes. Like, I was very proud when I worked at American Eagle that they did that. And and, and it worked for their customer base because their customers would look at a, a girl in a, you know, modeling a, uh, and like, oh, she has stretch marks. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a natural. Just a, like you. It's a yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's, you know, and the thing is, like, if you're touching a Photoshop, it's like, I will do what the client wants me to do within reason. Yeah. And sometimes that is doing things that, is like the best possible version of, of what they could be. I, I try and tell them like, I will retouch you to a level that we could have achieved with makeup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to do things that would have required a plastic surgeon to do what we yeah. need to get done. hundred percent. So, you know, it's, I won't judge anybody that wants to do that because society has barraged or, you know, uh, hit us time and time again with like media, marketing, advertising that uh, isn't necessarily true either. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's nice. Decide. It's refreshing to see a model, and you see them in the everyday world. You're like, oh my god, you're still absolutely beautiful. Like, and that's what you want too. You don't want to completely like, oh, that that's you. Like, that's you yeah. right there. Like, right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But well, that's the thing. It's like I think being natural has a great event. It, it, confidence too. Like, if somebody feels good about themselves, that can transcend so much. I mean, yeah. I've seen I've seen some people like I had a conversation once with um with somebody. We're driving somewhere, actually to Chicago. We ran out of gas too because we were talking so much. But the conversation was like, I literally said, "I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. But if I was, these are the kind of guys that I would be like, yeah, he really interests me. And it was like the strange dudes, like Gary Oldman, right? And <laughs> mine would be Jason Momoa. I just like if, if if there was a human being on the planet that I was like, wow, that's our, like him or Mark Wahlberg are probably my two. They're my man crushes. Well, you know, and Mark Wahlberg, he's a good example, too, because you could take him, and you've seen him play great. He's, I think he's a great actor. I do, too. I like all of his movies. I think he's fantastic. And he has been in different roles where he's like the regular guy. Or a goofball. Or a goofball. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't nearly look as what you would consider to be, like, intrinsically attractive as when he's, like, the, the you know... The hero. The, the action hero. hero. The hero, right. Yep. He's, like, he's, like, totally, like, you know, so in control and yeah, so amazing. Just the eyes. He, he, he can play people that you're, like kind of dweeby yeah and matt damon i saw matt damon in the, the movie about the uh the informant where he was uh, working for the the departed the, the no not the departed the informant was one where he was like he was like a, a dweeby sales exec for oh, okay, okay. the company selling corn syrup yeah and he, like he basically ratted out these 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 things that were going on but he was like a regular joe and it's like he kind of looked nerdy yeah right but you go and you put him in like another role where he's in control and powerful and has confidence He's an attractive guy. Yeah. So like, there are many people that like when you say like, what is beauty? And it's a combination of a lot of things. It's what you see physically, but it's also how they carry themselves and what, who they are. Yeah. Because I've seen I've seen and known some people that like, after I get to know them, I'm like, God, they're gorgeous. You know, like if it's a girl. Or yeah, hundred percent. Because because their personality like can make totally them can make them up. a knockout. Like mm -hmm. yeah, you meet a girl, you're like, wow, you're really pretty, and then you have a conversation, like, holy crap, you just took yourself to another level of attractiveness because of your personality and then sometimes yeah. you get the ones that like you see them and you're like god that's a just she's gorgeous and you're like but then they talk you're like you realize that they're they've got like some personality things you're like yeah. oh as a person you you're approaching the you word you're approaching yeah. ugly with your person yep 100 so, 
But the uh, so the last thing I want to wrap up here with, and I definitely want to have you back again. This is we got it because I I have more. And, you got more yeah, questions? Yeah, I have more, and I, this is you definitely. No, I, I can come back without the video running and just like we could wrap. So. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but the last thing I want to plug is 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 your uh, retro lovely ball. Yes. In Pottsville. Yes. Um, the date. June first. June first. Uh, tickets are on sale now. We yes. will put the links of everything on that too. I will be. Me and Heidi. She's already in. She's seen the pinup style ball. She. Just, I bought her a uh, like a Lucio Ball style oh. dress, like the blue with oh, the poke. Yes. So she's excited yes. to wear it. Yes. So she's gonna wear that that night and hopefully get her hair done pinup style. But um, you, every. I think we should I go mean, as a team. I would love to go. Yeah. My only issue is it falls right along the line of when I may be leaving for Texas, so. If I'm in town, I will definitely be there. Perfect. We'll, we'll, That's fair. We'll bring yeah. it. We'll bring a crew, and anyone who watches this, you're all buy tickets. It's gonna be awesome. Some of your models we've, will be there. We've correct? done it like five years in a row. Um, I know for a fact right now I have like eight cover models that are coming, and there's probably gonna be more. Um, some of the guys actually do burlesque. Um, we have some burlesque performers that are gonna be doing their thing. I've actually been getting messages from people like significantly out of the area talking about coming in. Like I have um, a photographer out of South Carolina bought like six, six tickets yesterday. Yep. I got a model out of uh, Texas who's been talking about it. Um, there's even the one uh, recent cover. Uh, there's two models on it, and the one who is out of New York State who's coming down was in England at the time shooting a photo shoot and had a model from the UK that she shot with. So the two of them are on the cover, and like I've seen them bantering online right now about like. Can you come over for this? Yeah, I'm just like, can we like crowdsource like funding to get her like on the plane to come yeah. over? How cool it's, is that? It's gonna, right? Yeah, and the cool thing is it's it's a Ramada. Yeah. So if if you want to come and hang out and have a good time, there's rooms available. <laughs> they like there are, and I I have a suspicion they'll sell out because I think two years ago we just about packed the place. Yeah. Uh, just with people at the event. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of smart because if you really want to party, you don't have to drive. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, though Heidi's always a DD. She might have a couple that night because she'll, she'll probably have a really good time. But hey, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll definitely plug that. Anything else you have going on, please let us know. If you have anything else coming up in the future and you want to come on and talk about sure. it, and definitely would love to hang out with you in person. And mm-hmm. this is this was a great time, man. This is I appreciate it. It was, it was fun. Yeah, hands yeah. down our longest interview. So oh, really, yeah, yeah. How we, long have we been? We well about an hour, half hour ago, we were at the two hour mark. Holy oh, shit! Cow. Yeah, so I love it. That was a that was a blast. That, I learned. That's actually one of my problems. I. I I don't know when to stop talking. Yeah. Because like, the, the word concise doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> think, think, yeah. yeah, but it was really, really good time, and I had a blast, and uh, this Nikolai, did it, did it live up? I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it, it went, these beautiful women, if you ever need someone to hold a light, Dude, call you know me. how many times I get asked that? Yeah. <laughs> just I, give I, me I, a call. I, I literally, right? Okay, so for the ball, we're having like a pre-party the night before. Yeah. And I floated this idea out to like a model or two where I said to them, do you remember those old camera clubs of, of days of old, like where the guys, the camera clubs, like all the guys that were the photographers, they would hire a model to go to like some house and she would model like in lingerie for a couple hours. And it was like literally like a barrage of guys with cameras just yeah. like photographing them. Yep. I said, I get so many people say to me, like, if you ever need help holding the lights, that <laughs> I'm that guy. <laughs> we could do like a performance art thing. Like yeah. actually do like, we're going to do a photo shoot and you get to like, eavesdrop in the room with us yeah and like just as an audience participation and like hang out <laughs> as we do a photo shoot yeah you know it'd be cool to, it would it, I would never ask to look at a photo shoot because obviously it's a it's an intimate personal connection between Depends you yeah Depends but it would be cool to see your process and you know it's mm-hmm. interesting right there because like when it comes to like I said about like women and their significant others mm-hmm. um, sometimes if a woman asks about bringing their friend I'm like all for it so that you know they could get hooked too it's like a little heroin case. yeah but sometimes they ask about bringing their boyfriend or husband I'm like by all means, I only suggest to them 
that sometimes they can get distracted by their significant other if they're like literally right there. Yeah. Now, if it's a good dynamic and the guy's like not uh, causing her to be distracted in a negative way, I'll, by all means, you know, hang out. I'll probably put you to work. Yeah. It's not a situation because like, one of the things for me is with, and I swear I'll shut up, is I am a minority in this particular business. The bulk of the people that do this work are women. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because another woman's going to be comfortable doing yeah. such things with a woman. This is like a this is like a huge leap of faith for like a guy. Yeah. So I have to be very middle of the road. Uh, it's a very the environment has to be that like yeah. If you want to bring your guy, great. If you want to bring your your sister or your mom, bring them. I've had that happen. They need to know that anything is okay for their comfort. Um, we don't like I I don't even like I don't think I've ever said to like a model as I'm working with them. Oh, that's sexy, right? Don't go there. Yeah, you don't want to be creepy. I say, I call them dude. Yeah. Like, dude, that pose. Yeah. And they'll ask me, like, what do you call me dude? I'm like, it's better for me than saying sweetie. (laughs) Yeah. Or dear or honey. I don't want to be that dude. Can't go there. Yep. Can't go there. That's a kiss of death in this. I I agree 100%. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah. I actually (laughs) actually start to lisp a little bit. And I was like, sometimes (laughs) they're like, I've had women like, if I mention my ex-wife, they're like, I thought you were gay. Yeah, because you know, I just don't want to be. Yeah, I don't want that to to, yep. to enter into it. I, I that's a yeah. smart move. Um, any anything besides the lovely ball coming out that you want to give a quick plug? You said you're going to be on your buddy's podcast, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, God, I wish I knew his name. It's something well, once you find it, you let me know, and I'll put the link in the description of the video. Um, yeah, that's going to be really photocentric. In fact, yeah. my my friend, uh, my one of the guys that I work with in New York, uh, Kent Miller. Um, he actually did something with them recently, and it was just like this. It was just it wasn't like pretentious. It was just, yeah. they're hanging out talking, but they're talking for like a couple hours about gear. And because of what I do with this stuff, um, Ken had suggested you know bringing me out too. So the three of us are gonna get together, Sounds do awesome. something similar, but it's gonna be very much gear and industry kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely like I said, get me get me his stuff, and we'll 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 share it when you're on there. Anything you got going on, if you're gonna be making an appearance, or you have a, a new book or anything, let us know, and we'll we'll share oh. it on our end. We That's we it. do that whatever. Like anyone we interview, if they do something else, we try to like hey, like a follow. Yeah, this guy was on our episode number seven. This is his new thing they're doing, or this is his new project. Take a look at it. So anything that you got going on, let us know. Awesome. We'll keep it going. Awesome. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Episode nine. nine. Nailed it. Um, see you guys soon. Uh, next interview. Actually, no one knows the next couple of interviews because I didn't post them yet. So stay tuned for the new Mystery the guys. new bios. The new bios are coming soon. It's going to be pretty exciting. I'll talk, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you guys so much. See ya.